Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. I'm your host, Dr. Matt Townsend, your coach, your guide on the side. Buckle up, my friends. Three hours of information. What else? Motivation and perspiration. Doesn't sound. We still got to work on that. We, got, you, we still got to work on the. the well, you do have the machine. shovel in the corner over there, so you can start perspiring. Yeah. Actually, that's the shovel we use. The shovel, yes. No, don't put it that way. Hey, welcome to the program. Again, uh, the Matt Townsend Show, new show, third day, day three. Again, still in business. You guys haven't heard anything, have you? We're not supposed to pack our bags or anything. I'm. I just. I see people whispering in corners. Yeah, and stuff, well, but that's yeah, it. Yeah, and whenever anyone comes to talk to me, I usually just like walk away so they can't. They yeah. can't fire yeah, yeah, me yeah. if they don't talk to <laughs> that's me. That's what I do too. The minute we're done with the show, I go to my office and I lock the door mm-hmm. and I turn off the lights. <laughs> that's that's why we always have to contact you by phone. That's exactly right. Maybe that's not the best way to do this. You know, it's hard to keep a job in this industry. I don't know if you guys know that. It is. It's way hard to keep a job in this industry. Uh, do you guys hear about the news of uh, Brian Williams? Yep. Again, I I'm kind of sad. Well, I thought it was kind of interesting. He said he was going to take himself off the air for a few days. And yeah. I'm thinking, really? You are? Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, NBC is going to be taking him off the air six months. Yep. Suspended for six months for misremembering. That's the word. By the way, is that a word? I think President Bush started that word. Did he? Yeah. Second, uh, <laughs> W. Yeah, W. Yeah. Uh, w. Uh, according um, Deborah Turnus from NBC Universal sent out this memo to all the news people at NBC. We have decided today to suspend Brian Williams as the managing editor and anchor of the NBC Nightly News for six months. Mm-hmm. The suspension will be without pay and is effective immediately. We let Brian know of our decision earlier today. Lester Holt will continue to substitute be the substitute anchor for the NBC Nightly News. Do you think it's because their ratings went down? Yes. <laughs> I think they got hit. Yeah. And... Um, I guess they're called the Q scores. Is that what they're calling it? The trust scores. I guess uh, a lot of celebrities go, you know, pay close attention to their level, their Q score, their trust score in the media. And Brian's took a hit. But it should because he misrepresented some stories or at least is alleged to have. But, you know, the evidence seems to be there. But NBC's still investigating it. I guess they're going – they've sent one of their top reporters out to go get the real story. (laughs) So rest assured that's going to happen. Well, as you said there, he's not just the anchor. Yeah. He's the managing editor. Yeah. So, I mean, he's in charge of what stories they're going after for the nightly news. Right. We had we had Robert Walls on uh, earlier this week. And exactly. It's a big deal. I feel bad because he is – the storytelling aside, he really is a talented personality. And there's people yes. – I mean, remember, this is – we live in the era of Snooky – and I know. Um, the Kardashians. Yes. Mm-hmm. And now he, I know he's a newsman. He should be so far above that, except. Let's hope. But the average listener, the average viewer doesn't always distinguish. That's true. You know what I mean? That is true. So 
again, it's it's sad, and I think he's. I'm sure he's he's. You know, wish he hadn't done it. Yeah. I mean, he is going to lose five million dollars because he makes ten million a year, and he's out for six months. Oh, but he's still getting five. Well, he's. I don't know. I know he won't get five because he's not going to be for paid six months. for six months. But the other thing everyone's worried oh, so, about is can you rebuild your career? Yeah, you can. That's the tough part. Well, yeah, but I mean, um, yeah, think of all the people that have come back. I mean, Geraldo Rivera made it back. People fall. You really want to go with Geraldo? Well, no, but, but people have a fall and they make it back. You know what I mean? Okay, okay. How far did Geraldo fall? Well, in, in fall units, what are you talking about? Um, oh, a distance. But he, he went from being a talk show host where people beat the crud out of each other on his show, a la Ricky Lake. Well, he was basically, you know, John Stossel now. Now. On tw- well, John Stossel's maybe a little old <laughs> to ask yeah. about. But, I mean, on 2020, yeah. Geraldo was the top reporter. Yeah, he was known for catching that story. Then he started going out and doing things on his own, and and comes up with yeah. Al, Capone's Al Capone's vault. vault. But then and then they brought him back. Which I mean, they and, hyped that sucker. Well, I mean, up. So, I guess some would say he's not back. But here's the other thing: should about have taken it. an X-ray of that vault first. That's exactly right. Before you open a vault, always know what's inside. <laughs> if you're going to do hey, it on national, television. if you're a lawyer, you know the answer to the question before you ask. But it. there's that. I mean, we're a very forgiving community, and so I, I think people will easily welcome Brian Williams back if he just goes and you know and does his job and just you know f- truly gets over it, talks about why he did it. He'll be back. He's a talented man. Well, he he's somewhat apologized already. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if there's still another yeah. apology that needs to come out. Yeah, I just think you can't use the word mis- misremembering. Well, I, I used that the other day. Yeah. I don't think Brian Williams has ever used that. Well, but, you know, I think that was his term. Was it? Uh-huh. But yeah. I think you also ought to call uh-huh. it just, I misrepresented. Yes, that's a better term. I mean, if you don't want to use the word I made up a bunch of stuff, then I'm just misrepresented. Well, he didn't really make it up, but it... Well, he embellished He it. was, yes, that he did. I mean, he. he I, I read that he had taken four bullets and. <laughs> Where'd you read that? That's three purple hearts. Well, and people just want to hear him say that he was wrong. That's you it. know, just straight that's up. All well, that's all we ever need. That's by true. The way. Hey, that there's is... a coaching tip for you. Everybody just wants to. They own just up. want you to own it. Just own, own it. And we'll yes. all move on. Yeah. Hey, by the way, there's even more talk now because John Stewart. I know. So John this is, Stewart, this is like stirring the pot. The plot thickens. <laughs> After 15 years, John Stewart is going to sign off of the iconic Comedy Central show, The Daily Show. Which is interesting because didn't he didn't he start that or no? Um, Colbert came from The Daily Show. Yeah, yeah. See, Colbert's moving on. John Stewart's moving on. It's a big deal because I mean, it there's is. some big stuff going down here yeah that's sad of in of itself two great shows that are coming to an end well, don't they want him two to great shows press? that show great together so, yeah. somebody somebody had written about the fact that he was being kind of held up maybe as a host for meet the press or something that's possible but can you i i don't see yeah i don't see the comedy coming in to meet the press like john stewart does on, <laughs> I don't know. on the you daily show meet the press? they well, need they're... some comedy no but I, I think what's cool about what's happening here is i'm uh, not cool but this is the point. It's they're starting to be a blur from oh, yes. news, the Sunday shows to entertainment. Yep. Oh, Let's, yeah. In fact, uh, it's news detainment. No, it's called infotainment. Uh, somewhat yeah. infotainment. Uh, infotainment. On our show, we call it edutainment. That's what. Yeah, some people call it. Yeah. 
We like mixing. Again, the shovel words. is over I'm there. very edutained. <laughs> Holy cow. I once edutained. <laughs> now, did you hear about the big news for BYU? Yes. Well, which the – well, there's the Dave Rose news. There's Dave Rose. That Coach was already Rose. came out. Yeah, we got – yeah. There's but not news. only that. Yeah, but this is – come on. We have a, we have a wonderful new facility yeah. going in next door to us. Yes, even you know what I, I like to think of it as it's not that we are uh, it's not that we're getting a new basketball facility uh huh we're just losing a road that's true a road that now, feeds to now, my parking space I don't, yeah it's, there's other roads <laughs> I don't want to be there. negative give me a break there other, I don't even use that road don't you no I do when but, there's emergency uh, people who have come to campus before they know that there's a road between the Marriott Center and the BYU Broadcasting Building, yes. which are right it's next tradition. door to each other. It's tradition. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, that road is not going to exist much longer. Uh, there's going to be a good. new BYU basketball practice facility built and in that area. Offices and suites mm-hmm. and areas for mm-hmm. the, the athletes to go study. Be I think tutored. it's kind of the only part I don't like about this, Play and I know games. it's going to be temporary. Yeah. Is all the construction is going to be vibrating this building oh, yeah. a lot? You know, I don't find that upsetting, really, because it actually. Well, it's going to be temporary, so. But it also kind of rocks you when you're like when I always like to have well, a, it's post like a massage show. chair. Oh, yeah, I like yes. a post show nap. Uh huh. And it just kind of rocks me to sleep. Well, and there you go. Once it's done, maybe the Matt Townsend team can go over there and play a pickup game of basketball. <gasps> oh, oh, you know what? I, I, oh, watch out. Well, we got to have Coach Rose in and ask him if we can do that. Yeah, let's do that. You know who? You know who's going to be better to have in is our next guest. Who's that? Doctor Craig Manning. Oh. he is BYU's uh, football team's sports psychologist. Basically, mental health. He's coach. their mental health coach, and honestly, good friend, great friend of the show, but just well-rounded, incredible guy. We're going to have him on. We're going to pick his brain about a lot of the stories you've been hearing in the news. You know, from Lance Armstrong, sports people doing weird to things. Deflate Gate. We're going to try to understand the mind of an athlete. Hmm. Good stuff. Dr. Craig Manning will be coming up next. Thanks for being with us, folks. Remember, we can't do a show without you. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back after this break. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. A little David Bowie there, heroes. Uh, this is this is a subject I've wanted to cover for quite a while, but we had to have the right guy. Because if you don't get the right guest, you know, it's just a lot of work. Uh, here's what we're doing. We've got Dr. Craig Manning joining us, and Craig is a, a great friend and a great friend of the show. Brilliant dude. He hates me to say stuff like that. But... Uh, he is basically the sports psychologist for BYU football. Mm-hmm. Is that what we'd call you? You're the mental health train, uh, strengthening coach. Yeah, I like calling myself a mental strength coach. Yeah. 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 Well, we need that. Yeah. Because we're, you know, we're a little flabby in the <laughs> mental side. Yeah. But you also, uh, you were a professional tennis player. Mm-hmm. Um, you're, you're the BYU women's tennis coach. I was, yes. Oh, but I just saw a video of you in 2015, I thought. I don't know, 2014? You know, I haven't coached them for a while, but I help them out. I work oh, do you do play-by-play maybe? Did you talk about it? Anyway. Yeah. I was just watching. I'm thinking, <laughs> I thought he wasn't doing that anymore, but you were – anyway, it must yeah. have been an older video. Uh, and here's the cooler thing. He, he works with everybody now, executives, 
training them basically on overcoming fear, which yep. is the the big killer to all progress. Yep. You're trying to you're trying to help people get better results. Yeah. Yeah, really, at the core, there's there's all these physical skills or technical skills in the business world, but there's also mental skills, the psychological skills that we don't always develop. Um, as you identify those and work on those, there's usually always a bump in performance. So yeah. trying to help people to get their mind in the right place and and accelerate the skill development. And when we do that, good things usually happen. So Is it... I mean, it's so much of all things. It seems to be just mental, the belief, the confidence, right? <laughs> yeah, and, absolutely. And yet, it seems also to be the hardest thing to control. You know what? The more I do this, the more I'm just blown away. When we work on the mind and we get the mind right, what happens? And I, I see this. I did this. I see others do this. We spend thousands of dollars and thousands of hours putting time in the physical side, and we just pretend that the mental is just going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas there are real tangible mental skill sets that if we can develop, it's amazing what happens. And it's not that complex. It's just uh, uh, it seems like people are afraid of the mind a lot and they just want to kind of push it off to the side. But really, it's, it's, there's nothing to be afraid of. It's well, quite easy. And then it, then it ends up, because it's the harder thing, it also yeah. seems to end up being the thing that would haunt you the longest. Mm-hmm. It would keep you stuck in the, you know, the, the hitting drought or whatever you right. call it you're yep. stuck there or it seems to keep some athletes on the front pages of the newspapers but not for their performance okay yeah right? absolutely yeah those deficiencies those skill gaps yeah that, that's when uh, problems occur and that, that's what i want you to teach us because I mean, nobody nobody wants to be like brian williams on the front page for mm-hmm. something that wasn't great yeah. or lance armstrong right for a DUI that he blamed yeah. on his girlfriend, yeah. or she took the blame for it. Right. Um, so, but we hear these stories over and over and over. Is it, what is it? Like, when you think of a Lance Armstrong, mm-hmm. I mean, you don't, you've never probably coached him. You've never got into his psyche, probably. But yeah. what is it? What is it that happens to somebody that wins seven Tour de France victories, Yeah. did so cheating? Yeah. It's a, there's a, I mean, obviously speculating from a distance because yeah. I've never met the guy, but I think this is very similar to Tiger Woods, and yeah. people keep asking me about Tiger Woods, but we can see the behavior. Guilt comes from the past. Yeah. So this um, guilt and the symptoms of guilt are regret, frustration, and anger. But when you have something that you've done like the uh, steroids use and the world is basically saying, no, that's not okay, you're wrong, or with Tiger with the scandal and everybody saying, no, that's wrong, you're, you did the wrong thing. You yeah. have this guilt that's now in your subconscious and you're kind of in conflict with yourself. And now you, you're in pain in a sense yeah. and you do the DUI and different things. You're looking to try to mask that. And, and the truth is there's some simple psychological skill sets that you can develop to help you move past that and move on. Um, but he's uh, – again, it looks like he's trying to cover up some of this pain that uh, he's dealing with and and uh, not really moving forward. Same thing with Tiger. People keep asking me with Tiger. Um, he's not going to be the same until he gets his mind right. He's right, right. S- same skills. Uh, maybe his body's not in quite a good shape. 
but same skills he knows how to play, but his mind's not he in can't. the right place. And, and then I guess, too, if your mind's not in the right place, your body would probably follow, right? Absolutely. So then injuries yep. probably go up. Injuries, Do you illnesses. see that with athletes? Oh, I mean, 75% of all illnesses and injuries is self-induced. Are they really? 75%. That's yeah. not just in the athletic world. That's everywhere? That's in life. You get a sore throat and you start telling yourself you're getting sick, you'll oh, be sick before you know it. That's my life. <laughs> you know what? It's really funny. I have every Valentine's Day, I have a really big event, a big date night. In fact, mm-hmm. I'm going to make sure you come. Um, Great. And it's, you know, there's a lot of people there, but I always end up creating new content and it stresses me out. Mm-hmm. I usually don't ever get stressed out speaking, but that one really stresses me mm-hmm. out. And mm-hmm. for the last four years, I've been sick. Yeah. And I'm like, everyone around me is like, you're just, it's all in your head. <laughs> but part of it is I, I don't usually feel stress. And the minute I do, I start manifesting sick. I, yeah. I'll, get the, I'll get the easiest thing I can get. Right. It's interesting because that guilt comes from the past and then fear comes from the future. So yeah. what happens is that guilt pulls our mind to the past. We yeah. feel that regret, that frustration. Then we stress and worry about how that's going to impact us in the future. Then our mind is jumping backwards and forwards. And that's when you feel that racing mind where your mind feels like it's just spiraling. Yeah. And it creates all that worry and anxiety and you know, it wears our immune system down. Before long, you see it in in our bodies and yeah. in, in our stomachs or whatever. You blow a gasket. Yeah. I had a girl just last night in my class come up and said, I've had stomach problems for my whole life. And using this journal that I get everybody in the class to use, she said, "I'm for six weeks since I started using the journal, I've had no stomach problem since. She's know. processing it. She's processing. And when we're in the present, there's no fear or guilt in yeah. the present. There's just action. There's just focusing on what you need to do and completely different mindset. Well, I guess that's the key. When you're in the masters and you're chipping uh-huh. to for the win, right. you're, you'd better be in the present. And if you read any of Tiger's stuff, I loved uh, studying him uh, in his earlier days. His mental discipline, the skill sets his dad had from the time he was five, his dad had him what, listening to tapes and developing these mental skill sets. Yeah. And when he was in the prime, he was so in the present. Uh, there's a quote, one of the quotes I love. He said, I never think about the past. Uh, all If I'm thinking about the past, I'm not focusing on what I'm doing here in the moment. Mm. And then I'm not going to be paying attention to hitting a nice, high, arcing two iron up there. Yeah. And But he's not doing that anymore because he's got this guilt that's always pulling yeah. him to the past. That's, I think it's even subconscious. He's probably not even conscious yeah, of it. Yeah, he's not thinking of that necessarily. Yeah, it's lingering. Yeah. And it's just having an impact and he doesn't realize. And then it seems like just like having a bad shoulder – uh-huh. Or a bad whatever, it just keeps remember. It keeps reminding you. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Do you remember? Yeah, it's remember? a memory. It's pulling you remember? back to that memory. Yeah. And every time he Absolutely. swings that arm, do you remember? And it's, it, it reminds us subconscious because yeah. that's the thing. Most of us, I mean, we always hear you're not using one percent of your brain, but ten yeah. percent of your brain uh, is operating consciously, conscious right? mind. Yeah. And ninety percent subconscious. subconscious. So, so it's happening. You're using it constantly, yeah. but you're not necessarily. Aware yeah. of it. And people um, get afraid of that, or but it's not that complex. The, the, the 10% is the conscious, which we need for processing. Right. So you can either process thinking and solving problems, or you process wiring and what isn't happening. Yeah. And what the research alludes to is about 90% of the human race is wiring, meaning they're always focusing on what, don't do this, don't yeah. do that, don't yeah. mess up, don't be late, don't get sick, yeah. instead of processing solutions. I, I need to... Wear a beanie if you're bold like me. You need to. <laughs> it's cold. You need you need to wear a coat. Or the subconscious is really just a storage unit. Yeah, it's where we store our memories. That's why 
You know, Stephen Covey called it habits. I, I like calling it muscle memory. I love that. Because it's memories. That's that, right. That's all it is. You're storing memories. You just want to make sure you're storing the right memories, not the wrong memories. And your processing, I guess, helps the memory you store. It, depending on how you process will depend on what memories you store. So that's what you try to do with athletes Absolutely. is you're basically trying to li- have them live in the now mm-hmm. and, process and process so we can kind of flush – Yep. Healthier memories down that line. See, I don't know if you. I love this example. Working with one of the guys on our basketball team, and he shoots, you know, tons of shots in the summer. Just incredibly disciplined guy. Because we've all been taught that. Yeah. To get better, you got to work harder. Well, practice does not make perfect. Practice makes permanent. It's one right, of the most right. erroneous beliefs of the human race. Yeah, we got to just keep practicing it, but it's not going to make it perfect if you, you can keep actually practicing get worse. the wrong thing. Yes, if you're creating the wrong memories, you could actually get worse. It's huge. And he's shooting and he's shooting, and every time he missed, he would say something negative or get frustrated. And after about five minutes, I'm like, I got to stop you because you're doing what I did, and I don't want you to do what I did because I didn't make it. <laughs> and I said, every time what you're doing there is you're actually creating the wrong memory. And if you shoot another shot and he's got a guy there feeding him another ball, if that's occupying your mind, what are you going to do on the next shot? That's right. You can't do anything different. That's the very definition of insanity, doing the same yeah. thing and thinking you're going to get a different result. And I asked him, I said, stop saying – say nothing when you miss. Say nothing. So you don't create the wrong yeah, memory. Yeah, don't, and don't validate it with don't a word. Validate, right. So you don't create the wrong memory. And then I asked him, there some, there's guys always watching him train because he's – bit of a celebrity on on campus you know and i asked him to leave for a minute because i was going to get him to do some things i asked him every time he makes it to scream out yes yes so so that's the memory (laughs) that's the memory he wants to create and get in his subconscious and he was really shy about it at first because he's a pretty humble guy um but after a while he started like making shot after shot and he starts screaming it louder and louder and he just starts getting on a roll and it i mean this this goes back to pavlov's dogs in 1890 it's just fundamental Classical conditioning, and then and then I'm assuming that's then create with the neuroplasticity we always talk about yeah. on this. Your brain makes that the habit. That's I love that you bring that up. The mind is elastic; it's plastic. Yeah. It's always creating new memories. That's so cool. We just got to make sure we create the right memories. Well, and I, and I think and process. I love your word processing because and this goes to every story. This goes to the Brian Williams, to the right. Lance Armstrongs, yeah, to every one of us out there in listener land that keep making the same mistakes over and over again. Yeah. It's it's not enough to just try to be different. You have to process and think and yeah. and, and work at a different a more subconscious level. Gosh. Love you, Craig. <laughs> For me, this is so exciting because, again, it's we bring in a sports psychologist, and yet it's so apropos. It's so perfect with everything in the news. Mm-hmm. I mean, our politicians need to do this, our <laughs> government, our legislators. Yeah. Let's take a break. We're talking with Dr. Craig Manning, BYU's uh, mental strength coach. It's big because you're doing basketball, too. I'm working with all 19 sports, actually, really, in some way. I want to know about Kyle Collingsworth. Uh-huh. I want to know if there's something different about the guy that's hit five triple doubles. Yeah, absolutely, there okay. is. We'll talk about that. We'll also come back maybe a little bit on cheating, because okay. there's been a lot of cheating. I don't know if you've heard about it. Uh, yeah. A lot Sounds of cheating good. going on, not at BYU per se, but in the, the rest of the uh, other leagues of the NFL. We're going to take a break, my friends. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Stick with us. We'll be right back right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody. 
It's the eye of the tiger. Rawr. Right? Right, James? Give me a growl. <laughs> Poor James. Great music choice. Dr. Craig Manning is joining us. He's the mental strength coach for Brigham Young University. 17 different uh, teams and athletic. 19. 19. Yeah. Are you sure, Craig? I think so. Yeah, you would, you would know. You would know. Hey, uh, have you ever heard of Kyle Collinsworth? Yeah, good guy. <laughs> Five triple doubles. Yeah, he's amazing, isn't he? He's amazing. Yeah. Uh, he's he's a star. So what would take – what's the difference? But he's just he's just a guy. Yeah, I know. I try to be careful what I say. But, you know, honestly, he is such a good guy. Is he? You know, you see this 6'6 specimen, you know, 6% body fat or something. But uh, – he is such a humble guy and such a hard worker, so disciplined and so willing to learn and, and want to get better. So all the success, that, that whole basketball team, that's just the whole team, the staff, everyone, just quality individuals. So it's so much fun working with is those he, guys. I mean, because he's on the road to basically beat Shaq. I mean, yeah, to, I saw that. It's, it's a yeah. big deal. I know. In triple doubles. Yeah. And yet he's not Shaq. Yeah. So what what do you sense? I guess his goodness. What mm-hmm. sets him apart? What what does he have that the other average, the other thousands of six foot six? You know, hopefully he's okay players. with me saying this. But I work with I work with some you know work with a lot of the athletes here at BYU, and I've got a few professional athletes that I work with on the side, and and he's one of my favorite athletes. He's one of the most disciplined. Is As we really? talked about the the mental side of things, he does what he he uses the journal. He does what. What the science tells us we should do, you know, the research says we should do a little bit of mental strength training, you know, f- three to five times a week for yeah. about 15 minutes. What I've learned is just do it every day. If you really want to be yeah. good, just do five to 10 minutes every day. It's your mental hygiene. You have to shower every day right. to wash the dirt off your body. What are you doing to wash the dirt off your mind every day? And that's a process you, you're suggesting he yeah, do every day. And, and there's a tools, you know, that they, I get them to do just some really simple tools that so they're occupying the mind yeah. and process processing the right things and, and then evaluating themselves to create the right memories. And they just do it every day. And, and I got a few athletes where they do it all the time. They text me each night they're, what they're doing well, what they need to do better. And they're just relentless at it. And he's one of those ones that he mm. just does it. And honestly, you know, I work with some Red Bull athletes. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to be able to be with them and, and help, you know, so I've had an opportunity to work with, a, you know, a dozen guys that are number one in, in the world. And they're Red Bull. So, I mean, yeah. talk about mental. In the, but Kyle Collinsworth is one of those guys that is doing the things he needs to do to be That's amazing, cool. you know, yeah. whereas a lot of other athletes, they'll come and I'll work with them and they do well and they're great, you know, and, and they do well. And as soon as things start going well, they mm-hmm. get a little, you know, undisciplined on the mental side yeah. because – I don't know why. Maybe because we can't see it. It's not as tangible. But they stop doing it, and then the performance drops off. Then they come back again, yeah. and it's this constant cycle. But Kyle's one of the ones that just keeps doing these mental things all the time. Do you, do you think it's a? I mean, having just raw talent. If you had to choose, average or, or, or a, you know, pretty high talent, mm-hmm. but high, high, high mental aptitude yeah. and, and focus, or off the chart talent and yeah. moderate mental focus. Yeah, how I always say it is somebody that's really physically gifted um, and doesn't do any, develop the mind, there's a, there's a plateau where they're going to get to. 
somebody that doesn't have the physical talent but has a great mind, they can really develop and really maximize and really do amazing things. But when you get both, those yeah. are the LeBrons and yeah. Derek Jeters and those are the great ones that really do amazing things when you get both. And even as I say that, LeBron, I felt like, really was deficient mentally in some areas for quite a while yeah. and is only just really developing some of those lately. Um Michael Jordan is one of my favorite. He had the athletic, and he just was so good mentally. Yeah. He just kept getting better and better. I mean, that's it. that was it, huh? He really had the mental advantage. And he and just keeps getting better. That's the yeah. thing is, like Kyle and, and some of these guys, is there's no finish line. The best never think they've arrived. The that's best cool. always want to get better. There's always that progression that they want to get better. When you work with these guys, the best, do and they, they haven't arrived, do they still find it exciting or – I mean, it seems like the minute you're starting to get bored, and this is for everyone out yeah, there, whether you're that. a pro athlete or not, the minute your job is no longer interesting, yep. it seems like the coast, that's the, the beginning path, of the end. That's the path of mediocrity. That's where we start to coast, and that's where mentally what happens, we get sloppy, and we start to um, process things that aren't really focused and dialed in. Yes, the best, I think more than anything, the best get addicted to the progression more than anything. I think, you know, growing up, I got addicted to tennis. Yeah. But tennis was just the manifestation. I think the thing I loved the most was getting better. I loved going to practice each day. I loved practice because it was a chance to improve skill sets and grow. Um, the research says growth equals fun. Yeah. It's the formula. Growth is fun. It's the growth that matters. I think everybody at some point is involved with a team or dance or something where they're pretty much the top dog. I think when you're number one after a while, it gets a little boring. It's, oh, totally. It's not being number one that's motivating. It's the challenge of getting better that, that actually motivates us more than anything else. Do you um, – so LeBron, you kind of hold up. Michael Jordan, you hold up. Did you hear the whole uh, – that oh, – Daryl Dawkins, was it? And um, – and, oh, no, Dominique oh. Wilkins. Did you read that article about Dominique no. Wilkins and Larry Bird? I didn't. So, okay, smack talk. Okay. So, I, and I want to know the psychology behind the smack <laughs> talk. Because yeah. all you have to do is watch, you know, an NBA game mm-hmm. or, I guess, any football game or just my little 10-year-old. Right. Um, <laughs> so, D- uh, Dominique basically says um, – he says he was brand-new rookie – yeah, Dominique said he was a brand new rookie in the in the league, and he his first game he went up to <laughs> so crazy. He went up to Larry Bird and puts his hand out to shake Larry Bird's hand, and Larry uh-huh. Bird doesn't shake his hand. Uh-huh. He's mentally tough, Larry Bird. Yeah, and his hands are behind his back, and Dominique's like, "This guy's a jerk. What a jerk." <laughs> yeah, and then um, they're they're doing they're tipping off, and he's standing next to him. And he's like, and Larry leans over and says, "Why are you here?" Mm. Wow. So here's this rookie. Why are you here? Yeah. And and Larry says, I'm going to score 40 points on you. <laughs> I'm, I'm yeah. going to score 40 points on you. And the very then Larry gets the ball, runs down the court, shoots a three-pointer right over him. Cush. Makes it. Next play, Larry comes down the court, shoots a three-pointer over him. Cush. <laughs> makes it. And he kept saying, again, you're in over your head, dude. You, you're, not, <laughs> you're not supposed to be here. Then uh, Dominique's not going to have that. Yeah. So he then comes down. He has Larry Bird running back, backpedaling, and he kind of runs right over him. Larry Bird tips over, runs right into the pole, and um, he scores on him. And and Dominic kind of shows him, and is so happy, and, <laughs> and like just keep I going beat back you, I beat you. Larry Bird that night went for thirty nine points, uh-huh. and Dominic still left the court feeling like he won uh-huh. because he didn't score forty. Mm, I love it. So the man, okay, there's all that trash talk. Yeah. 
And 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 you saw, I saw a lot, you saw a lot of it like in the NCAA playoffs, the football playoffs and yeah. stuff. I mean, there's a lot of smack. The Super Bowl with yeah. Sherman. I mean, there's a lot of talk. And then you see Sherman go give the hand to Brady and congratulate him. What's the psyche behind that? You know, on it, first, there's two sides of that. First, talking trash. When you're talking, you kind of get out of your head a little bit. Okay. So it helps the athlete like a Larry Bird. It helps the Michael Jordan. To, when you start talking a little bit, it helps you to loosen up because you're getting out of your head and you're not worrying as oh, much. Oh, yeah, so it's not stewing. You're right. just So when you, you talk about the conscious and processing, when you talk trash, it helps you to process a little more freely. Yeah, okay. So it helps that athlete. On the other side, when you talk trash to others, you're trying to get in their head so they're not thinking, so they're distracted, so they're not focusing on what they need to yeah. do, and they're distracted. So I, I actually think it's funny. I, to me, it's kind of the battle. I had a friend that I recruited to play tennis here years ago that uh, I call him a friend because we've been friends ever since, but I was the assistant coach, and I recruited him from Australia to come and play. And he was better. He was younger and faster and stronger and everything. But at four all in the first set, I'd start talking to him. I'd be like, your serve is awesome. He'd start thinking about it, and then I'd break his serve and win the set 6-4. It just as soon as you can get people to start thinking the wrong things, they're not focusing on their cues, and it impacts their performance. So I think it's actually a fun part of the game. I've got There's a guy on the basketball team that I love. I'm, when he's talking, he plays better. But when he stops talking, I can tell he's too much in his head. Yeah, and yeah. so I've seen a couple of times I've said to him, you've got to keep talking because when you talk, you play better. Um, That's so, he's just got to get it out of himself, yeah. right? And then when the game, I like the guys though. When the game's done, shake hands. It, it's just it's it's a sport. You're supposed mm-hmm. to have fun. It's okay to ch- talk some trash and stuff like that. But be done with it when that when the game's over and you know and shake hands. And What's be the good. difference though between the one that you know that can't. Stop that. Get it done. Yeah. And, yeah. And, and they don't – yeah, they just can't go shake the hand and those that do. Okay, the ones that don't – so the ones that aren't – The, the ones, ones that, that just perform- would rather rip your head off because you just beat me. <laughs> well, I think there's, there is definitely that athlete out there that talks but can't deliver. Yeah. I think that's where the phrase a wannabe comes from. They want to be better than who they really are. So yeah. they talk but they don't deliver. But the ones that are that talk that are good, like Larry Bird, Michael yeah. Jordan, <laughs> there's a definite strategy there. They're trying to be – they're being strategic and tactical with their trash talking, whereas the other one, I think he's just talking to puff himself up and try yeah. to pretend that he's – Pretend like he's something. Yeah, trying to cover up his own insecurities there. But so. then again, like you're saying, the subconscious knows yeah, that you're absolutely. just talking it up. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. You just – yeah. Yeah, I like the guys that – like Babe Ruth basically was talking trash when he pointed to yeah. – Fence. I mean, those guys that can talk the trash and then deliver, that, that's, that's pretty tough. big yeah. time. Let's yeah. do this. Uh, we're going to come back with Craig Manning, uh, author of The Fearless Mind and um, BYU's mental strength coach for all 19 of their teams. I'm sure there's more teams that the chess team, croquet. <laughs> He hasn't gone into them yet. So. I have worked with the the cheerleaders in have advance. You? Yeah, they're great. I bet. Unbelievably high performing. I bet. <laughs> and they're nice. Um, not not so much trash talking on the cheer squad, I'm sure. But we're going to take a break. Come back. Craig's going to teach us some of uh, some exercises that all of us can be working on. Just if you're trying to get a better job, trying to move up in your own profession, not even the MBA. What are some things we should be doing in our mind to have better strength? And uh, maybe a, a little bit better sense of self. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We will be right back. More right here on BYU Radio.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. You know, the morning show, we try to give you the headlines, the topics, and in the news, there's just there's always so many stories about, you know, sports and athletes and, and trouble a lot of times that they're getting into. So we wanted to find an expert that could come on the show regularly. Uh, Dr. Craig Manning is our guy. He is BYU's mental strength coach. Uh, works with a lot of the teams, most of the teams, in helping them, you know, get focused, get their head in the game. Also, um, he's 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 also just a great uh, sports psychology consultant, and he goes out, works with corporations around the country. What's your website, by the way, Craig? TheFearlessMind.com. TheFearlessMind.com. He's got a, a wonderful book, which, by the way, my teenage boy read <laughs> at age 18, and um, he can't. Let's quit talking about it, Craig. Really? Like, That's I'm really great. ready. He, he lives in Mexico doing an LDS mission in in Mexico, and I'm like, he keeps sending me emails and questions, and I'm like, you know, I'm just going to give you Craig's number. <laughs> That's great. Why don't you just – but it's, it's interesting. He's using – because he gets to do a lot of training right. with other missionaries, and he uses it. So he, really? your, wor- your stuff is working oh, in northern great. Mexico. Thanks for telling me you that. You didn't even know that. <laughs> um, but in your book, The Fearless Mind, I know you have a lot of great exercises. Um, w- talk to us about what, what we're supposed to do mentally. What's, what's a couple activities? What's something we can do yeah. that just gets our head in the present, in the now? You know, the biggest skill, the first skill I would like to start with anyone, any athlete, business executive, I like to call it a can-do mindset. Nothing new there, but that can-do, that, that neuro process, the conscious mind is where the neuro process is happening. And so we're either processing negative thoughts, what we can't do, what isn't happening, what we don't want to do, which is worry. Right. That's never going to help us. That's the no can-do. Yeah. Or we're going to process thinking, solving problems, solutions. The can-do mindset, it leads to action. It leads to uh, a focus on solutions. But here's the most basic form. Um, Once that negative gets in, once the doubts and fears get in, it takes for every one negative thought, it takes three positives to counteract. Oh wow, it. really? So here's a skill that works so well just to own if anything, if we own anything in this world, it should be our own mind. Yeah. I mean that's all you got. <laughs> right. <laughs> and so we want to own that. We don't want to let negative thoughts or other people's thoughts occupy that space. And so I call it a power statement. I encourage anyone that's listening to have a power statement when the doubts, when the fears, when the negative occupies your mind, have a power statement to squeeze that out. If you focus on the negative, you're just reinforcing the negative. Yeah, yeah. So instead of pulling weeds, focus on the grass. And so here's one, for example. It's nothing more than I can do this. I can do this. Say it loud. Say it strong in your head. You do that, you're occupying the space. It'll squeeze the negative. Is that what you were doing with that person shooting free throws? Yes. Was that? That's a power statement. A power statement. Here's one. My own personal one. When I'm nervous, when I'm walking up to a podium to speak in front of tons of people, uh, my heart's pounding, I tell myself, I got this. I got this. I got this. And I keep saying it over and over again. You do that, you're not allowing the negative in anymore. I did that. I did that as a kid and won a baseball game. It works. With my eyes closed. Really? <laughs> my best friend was pitching against me. This was for the championship. Like, You're being like, serious. You had your serious. eyes two closed. Two balls, two oh. strikes. And in my head, I'm thinking, I, I, I know I can. I know I can. I was hitting. I know I can. I know I can. I know I can. And he pitched the ball, and I closed my eyes. Yeah. And my bat hit it. That's great. I didn't hit it. My bat hit it. <laughs> That's but, great. I mean, I, but you I willed yourself. That's will. I, yeah. I totally did. And it was the coolest thing because my, my friend was the best athlete in the state. Right. And 
they started calling me Reggie after Reggie Jackson. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, that was big league. But <laughs> That's great. I, I got this as a great phrase. But a lot of us would be like, ah, oh, this is going to hurt. Yeah. That's not a good statement. Yeah, or well, we're or, up there going, please don't miss, or yeah. I hope uh, this doesn't go out, or, you know, here's another one too, just for everyday life. That's in athletics. I, I have two that work for me. You pick your own because if it's your own, yeah, it it's got to be your words. But there's something that, you know, I'm getting older now. You know, no. I'm bald. Yeah. You look great. My health is, uh, so every morning while I'm shaving my bald head and I'm looking in the mirror, I keep telling myself about 10 times, I'll say, I'm healthy and strong. I'm healthy and strong. And if you tell yourself that, well, subconsciously, you will do things that will lead to being healthy and That's strong. True. Okay, what if you say, I'm, I'm slow to learn here, Craig, but what mm-hmm. if I say, you've got a great ab? Your, your ab is awesome. Yeah, that, that's probably not motivating enough. No, if you say that over time, what what will you do? Well, I'll get an ab. <laughs> See, that's like it's even with losing weight. People with weight, they yeah, always what do we say, say they always say, "I can't lose weight. I can't yeah. lose weight." Well, if you tell yourself that when you're driving down State Street in Orem, yeah. and you get hunger pangs, and you've already told yourself you can't lose weight, subconsciously, where do you go to McDonald's or Subway? Oh, that's right. You go to McDonald's every time. And then when that evil voice comes on the speaker and asks you what you want, you don't get a salad. You buy a Big Mac. And when they say, what drink do you want? Yeah. Do you want a Diet Coke? Like, give me a full-on. I want a full Coke. I want a full-on Dr. Pepper. And uh, I, give me the 44-ounce. Yes. Because you've already conditioned your subconscious mm-hmm. to rest- – and then you pull out and you're drinking the Dr. Pepper and you're eating your French fries. You're like, wait, what the heck? Yeah. I thought I was trying to get off this stuff. That's right. But and because, you're stuck again. Because you've already programmed your subconscious to do that. So you would say, I'm healthy and strong. I'm healthy and strong. I'm healthy and strong. And change it to, I can lose weight. Yeah. I am going to lose weight. I am going. I am losing weight. And if you do that, what happens is when you're hungry, you pull into Subway. And you get a salad or you get a sandwich. And then when they ask you for a soda, you say, no, just give me the water. So you sub, you got to ch- train that's the subconscious. Yeah. And, and again, I, I assume that's like what – that's what the athlete at the free throw line is doing. He's telling himself, I got this. If, if he knows this. he's he's got a 60% free throw yeah. shooting average. I'd love to know what Carl Malone said to himself all those years. Wouldn't I'm sure he that? wasn't saying, I know. man, I hope I miss this. Yeah, I'm going to get a steak tonight. <laughs> I'm sure yeah. he was saying something there. You know he was. Yeah. Um, and, and you can take this. So if you're, if you're going out for a job interview today, <laughs> yeah. the guy's looking for a new job. I got this. I can do this. Is it ever going to hurt you? Confident and strong. Can, can, could that ever do any damage to you no. if you believe in no. yourself? So that's the key. The first, the greatest source of interference to the human race is self-doubt. To counteract self-doubt is self-belief. We got to believe. We got to have that parasitic. We have to believe that it is possible. See, I love that because you're using your energy – to, to begin with the thought, to change the thought that'll change the feeling, that'll yep. change the action. Instead of reacting to the doubt, yeah. be- develop a deep belief in what can be done. Did you hear that new story that came out about a Chicago Little League team that you know won the Little League title that just mm. had its title pulled? I didn't hear about that. It was one of the first African-American, all African-American teams to really? win the Little League title. But in the end, sadly, the title was pulled because they apparently had cheated. So I wonder about this cheating. I mean, it seems like if you're confident and strong, yeah, you don't need it. You don't need to cheat. But if you're not so confident and strong, then cheating somehow you think gives you an advantage. Yeah, if you don't have that deep belief in yourself. So it, this is why I love this. If you believe in yourself at the core, you don't need other things. You're secure and confident in yourself. So meaning that space is being occupied by substance. But if you don't have that deep belief in yourself, you're insecure. You're going to do other things to try and compensate yeah. for that. So we want to fill that space at the core with just that deep belief, and then all of a sudden we don't need these other things. 
And and then you can know to your core, you got it. Yep. And I if can do this. and if you don't get it, you'll you do sh- it again the next that's time. That's right. You stay, have yeah. the same mentality. You haven't handicapped yourself. Right. I guess that's the downside to cheating, steroids, all this stuff is you're not going to trick the 90% of your brain to believe that you got it. Right. Because you know you're doped up. The, the amount of research, I mean, I could go on forever, but the amount of research that supports when you get your mind in the right place, you don't need steroids. That's right. It's unbelievable what happens when you channel. Most people only tap into 10% because they're only using the conscious. Right. But when you develop the subconscious the right way, when you create the right memories, you can tap into all 100% of your mental capacities. And when athletes and human beings do that, it is unbelievable what happens That's every so cool. single time. And does it ever – I guess it never surprises you because I love it. the human abilities It does. Endless, really. It actually shocks me what happens. And I just wish people could see what I see on a day-to-day basis when I go from one team to the next or one biz- company to the next. And, and you, see, you see what it does when you get people – when people get their mind in the right spot, what yeah. happens. I just wish people could see it. And it's real. I mean and it's producing real results. Yeah. And it's – I mean, what? I, it doesn't even have to be like a motivational rah-rah thing. You're not. All you're asking us to do is have a, a better sentence that's more motivating. Yep. De- develop mental skills. And 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 do it like an athlete. Yep. Oh man, I you make it, it sound so easy. <laughs> um, so what's next? So you now spend all day. You'll go see a bunch of athletes. You'll yeah, pretty much each go hour is a bunch uh, of companies. Pretty much each hour is blocked off at BYU today. I'll go from. You know, I got to get down here in a minute with uh, swimming, and and every pretty much each hour I uh, mm-hmm. blocked off so I know I'm coming for, and we'll go in and it, whatever the coaches need, whether they want individual work or they want team stuff. The, we got great coaches here at BYU that just want to develop kids. Really, that's what BYU, the athletic department, we just try to make people better, and we're just so always cool. trying to develop skills. Coach Menenhall just. I, I love him. He's just a huge believer in this, and he's given me so many opportunities that really didn't have to give me. But uh, um, big believer in just building people and developing skills. And when you develop skills, that's what leads to high performance. That's, right. that's why we want you on our team because <laughs> a we're hoping we get some tickets <laughs> yeah. to the game. B no, we also we I want we want those skills. We want those for our listeners as well. We may as well be benefiting the listeners at that level. Yeah. Um, real quick. Uh, what's the one thing we need to take away today? All of us out there in listener land, if there's one thing we walk away with, what should we remember from you today, Craig? Can-do mindset. Have a power statement. When the going gets tough, when things aren't going well, when you wake up in the morning and you just feel like a train has run over you, you have a power statement. I can do this. Yeah. This can be done. I can overcome this. I can be healthy. Just a can-do mindset. That's awesome. Yeah. Craig Manning's his name. By the way, go to the website, thefearlessmind.com. And uh, check out his book, The Fearless Mind. Again, if it changed an 18-year-old boy's life, it can change yours. Plus, you'll get more ideas like the can-do mindset. We're going to have Craig back uh, many times on the show, pick his brain every time we get a new story from an athlete. Or any time <laughs> we just feel a little down and we need some insight. Thanks again, Craig. Thanks, Appreciate, Appreciate you, man. Thanks. We're going to take a break, my friends. Uh, come back and get into it. We've got a lot of great stuff coming up. We're going to be talking about net neutrality. You've probably heard... That legislation that's coming down, or at least that uh, is being pushed by the FCC. Interesting stuff we're going to talk about. More and uh, and more tools, more ideas right here on the Matt Townsend Show.
Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the second hour of the Matt Townsend Show. One hour on the shelf. Two more to go. It's six after the hour, by the way. And uh, my name is Dr. Matt Townsend. I'm your coach, your guide on the side. On this program, we do what we can to help you find your good life. There's a million shows out there doing news. There's a million places you can go for information. We want to help you build the life you want, the life you need. We want to educate, inform, and if we can, make it fun along the way. we got a great uh, hour for you prepared today, including a discussion about net neutrality, which is new legislation coming down that will definitely impact your life. Even if it's pretty complicated and you don't know quite why you want to get involved. That's why we asked Pete Ashdown to come in because it's complicated to me. It is. It is to me, too. And um, it really, I guess, when you get into it and we kind of get rid of the jargon and the words, it starts to make a little bit more sense. Right. But it's basically about how you're going to be able to access, uh, access broadband and information. And on the Internet. And so once we start kind of regulating the Internet, we've unleashed the dragon or the kraken. Let's call the Internet the Kraken. Release the Kraken. Release the Kraken. Hey, uh, but before we do that, let's do a few headlines. One of the one of the big news items, uh, it seems like President Obama may be kind of uh, towing the line closer to seriously crushing ISIS. Well, what do you, you know, think? I'm wondering as I'm reading through this article. What, what do you just Just find? wondering what's going on. Well, Obama has requested war powers from Congress. Against ISIS. Well, which, again, remember that there's always a debate about war powers because a lot of presidents don't necessarily go talk about it before they start it. That is true. He's like officially. So you wonder if this is posturing. You wonder. Just saying, okay, I'm going to go ask because he doesn't always ask Congress for stuff. Right. But, uh, well, the president does is within his right to use, you know, uh, military force in certain cases for certain things without going to Congress. Yep. Um, but you know when it's a protracted sort of thing, you you've got to go ask Congress. You got to get her done, right? Well, That's by the just way, part too, of the checks and balances. And if you want to cover the blame, <laughs> I would spread it out really wide. Yeah, through over you know, yeah. maybe maybe another five hundred thirty-five people. It. I'd consult with everybody and I'd get everyone's opinion, and there then I'd know. have everyone sign off on it, and then I'd go do something. Well, President Obama on Wednesday actually formally asked for a three-year authorization for the use of force against ISIS. So he's asking for three years, Mm -hmm. all access to do something with ISIS. He has specific language in this request that prohibits enduring, this is a quote, enduring offensive ground forces, and it limits the engagement to three years. Okay. So he's he's creating – this is actually fairly smart, right? He's he's drawing boundaries. Yes, he is. For how much we're going to engage, how long. It it won't be more than three years – it but, says that – well, I, I, I find it interesting that it's three years since he doesn't have that long in office. Yeah. It's the next and, president's problem. Exactly. But uh, the proposal says, quote, it would not authorize long-term large-scale ground combat operations like those our nation conducted in Iraq and Afghanistan. It won't authorize those. That's right. Long-term. Oh, so I, I think he might be posturing. I mean I think what's happening – everyone's on him. Germany's on him. France has probably ticked. Well, Canada's th- probably made a call. I think it's kind of interesting that he's asking for war powers, but yet he also writes in this that says local forces rather than U.S. military forces should be deployed to conduct such operations. Yeah. If you're asking for war powers, why are you saying somebody else should be doing it? Well, he's he, here's what I think he 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 needs to do. He needs to send some more people in, but he's basically been adamant about not sending them in. Mm-hmm. So he's 
controlling it. He's covering it. He's saying we're going to get local people to do it, but we're still probably going to have to add resources. And well, there stuff. are some Democrats that are concerned that that term, enduring offensive ground operations, is too vague. Oh, yeah. They want more specificity. That's great. And so they're saying, you know, what does it mean? How long? How big is enduring? Yeah. What's offensive when it comes to the Department of Defense? What does is, is I don't mean, know. mean? Exactly. Um, so, uh, but Senator Bob Corker, who's the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, said that rigorous hearings will soon begin. You know what? When in doubt, let's have a hearing. There you go. Let's hear it out. We need more hearings on this show. Okay. I mean, we haven't held a hearing. You know, you know I think it's better if we have listenings rather than hearings. Nah. We okay. Uh, write this down. Uh oh. Somebody write this down. Okay, James, you got it. Mm-hmm. More hearings. More hearings. Okay. Starting immediately. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll we'll start one over in conference room A. Yeah. By the way, could you guys do that during the show? Because I don't want to go to it. Okay. That's what I thought. <laughs> I hate hearings, <laughs> but I want to hold some. I mean, that's interesting. Again, politics, right? Oh, definitely. As usual. Definitely. Hey, um, did you see? And I, I've my computer just died. Oh no. Uh, Bobby Jindal. Yes. The gov- governor, governor of Louisiana. Louisiana. Did you see <laughs> his picture? His 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 yes. official government portrait. I did see that, yes. If you haven't seen that, you've got to go on Just, the you gotta go on the interweb. I'm sorry. Go look on the interweb, Bobby Jindal, and look up his, his official portrait. Yes. Because the person that painted it has gotta be an eighth grader. <laughs> that, dude, I, I can tell you right now it wasn't Van Gogh. It, the complaint is it doesn't even look like Bobby Jindal. I know. And Bobby Jindal, uh, he's, he's got darker skin, and this guy in the— Yeah, the skin in, tone is the biggest thing. He's off. It is. It was a really bright, bright room where he did the well, sitting. But it, so is, is it a nice thing? They just said, oh, well, thank you, thank you. And everybody's just in the background is saying, you know, that really doesn't look like him. Is that Bobby Jindal? But we've got to be nice to this guy. You know, what, if, if, you, if you move around and you squint and <laughs> you know. kind of – oh, yeah, now it kind of does. It does not – it looks it more like one of like Mitt him. Romney's sons. It does. Yeah. What, what, what's one of his sons' and, name? And, you know, Bobby Jindal's a nice guy. He's a great guy. Yeah. But, I mean, let's let's have an accurate representation of you him. You know what? Oh, would that not be so frustrating? Yes. I mean, I already – I'm the guy that ruins every photo. In fact, for this morning show, they want me to go take pictures. Yes. I, I would – I promise you, I would rather have a root canal than go do a sitting You with know, I have a photos. guy who does a fantastic job at root canals. That, well, can he take a picture while I'm having it done? <laughs> I'd rather have that. Do you want a picture of the root canal instead? But there's nothing more permanent than your official portrait as a governor. That thing's yeah. going to sit in the Capitol building. It's going to be there forever. forever. Yeah, and it's it's more like Mitt Jindal. You know, that's what you should have done actually. Instead of doing photography, maybe let's you have should a have portrait. Some paint your portrait. No, you know what? A, let's not talk about that because <laughs> I do have a person that paints a lot of things about me. Oh, Perfect. Yeah. Just call them in. We'll get that set up. But as one that doesn't like things, I, I don't like pictures taken of me because I don't smile well since the accident. <laughs> it was a photography accident. Yes. It's traumatic. We call him the Joker now. <laughs> No, I just get I, I get psyched out. But I have a wife that is incredibly beautiful and incredibly photogenic, uh-huh. and we take pictures everywhere. So I've kind of learned to fake it. But when the whole focus is on me for twenty minutes in a photo shoot, and they're like, "Ah, uh, Mr. Townsend, can you suck your gut in just a little bit more?" <laughs> I can't. You want me to smile you and sure that's suck not your, my gut in? Sure, that's not your kids saying that. 
Yeah, I'm sure. Don't okay. be rude. Because that's something my kids would say. Would your kids say that? Yeah. Well. To you. Yeah, they probably would. <laughs> it's funny because it's – anyway, whatever. Hey, we got a great topic coming up. We're going to take a break. When we come back, Pete Ashdown is going to be joining us. He is the CEO of X Mission. And uh, which is a Utah ISP company, an Internet service provider. And he's going to be talking to us about net neutrality, the potential legislation around the Internet, folks. You need to pay attention to this because there could be some serious uh, legislation created and, I guess, just FCC regulation that might seriously upset your life. And uh, we're going to get into it in deep up next right here on The Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, a lot of uh, a lot of news out there, and one of the things we really wanted to focus on is some news that you've been hearing about with the term net neutrality. Have you ever heard that? On this show, we want to give you some insight into what that means. A lot of times in politics, there's a lot of great jargon out there, sometimes not necessarily to mislead or anything, but just maybe to confuse you enough to stay away. Um it's, it's an interesting subject, and we wanted to get somebody that actually gets it to come explain net neutrality to us, this legislation about, uh, you know, some some in- Internet, uh, what do we call it? I guess just Internet regulation, re- regulating the, the great Internet. Pete Ashdown is going to join us right now. Pete is the CEO of Utah's first and oldest independent Internet service provider. It's called X-Mission. He also has run as a Democratic candidate in 2006, uh, where he lost to Senator Orrin Hatch. He also ran again in 2012 where for U.S. Senate, but was defeated uh, you know, by Scott Howell. So he's, he's politically strong and active. And uh, he also is an Internet service provider, so he has a, a vested interest in understanding this whole concept of net neutrality. Pete, are you there? Yeah, Matt, I am. Can you hear me okay? Yep, I can. You sound great. Uh, Good. We're, we're Skyping Pete in right now. Hey, Pete, just to get started, may, maybe help us define for our listeners what is net neutrality and, and what does it matter to the average user of the Internet? Net neutrality is essentially comes down to discrimination uh, for financial. Well, that's the problem is discrimination for financial gain. Um, I discriminate on my network all the time. We, we try and block spammers and, and people who are trying to hack into your computer and, right. and denial of service. So there are technical reasons, very good technical reasons for um, discrimination. But what has happened with net neutrality is uh, in the case of Comcast and Netflix, Comcast decided, well, uh, we we have a vested interest in trying to protect our video product, and right. Netflix is is taking customers away from that. So we're going to get some of that back by holding Netflix over the barrel and, and um, charging them for that charging data them use for access to their network. So they were discriminating uh, for financial gain. And uh, before Netflix started uh, paying their extortion, um, <laughs> the, the, Comcast was actually lowering the priority of Netflix traffic. So Netflix customers on the Comcast network were not getting very good quality. Oh, so it wasn't streaming well. And then, then they called Netflix and like, it doesn't work. Interesting. Hey, yeah. I, and and there's, there, people have proven that they were actually um, actively 
working to lower the priority of their traffic yeah. until uh, Netflix paid up. And so this, you know, brings up the broader question of, well, what's the Internet all about? Um, is it is it a place for the big players to get along or is it a place where anyone can come up with a good idea and, and have a worldwide audience? Uh, right. You know, in 2004, there was this this little website called uh, Facebook. Hmm. Tell me about it. Uh, started in a dorm room. Yeah. And uh, it, because of the power of the Internet and, and the power of spreading a good idea. Uh, and the fact that at the time nobody was discriminating against them, they grew into a billion-dollar company very quickly. Right. Um, so if if we are able to keep the internet open and free, um, then uh, good ideas can flourish. And, and now the FCC uh, wants to come in and and I guess settle this fight. The, well, the FCC commissioner has uh, stated that he is in favor of protecting net neutrality, um, in favor of um, protecting the openness of the Internet and uh, coming down on entities who uh, violate that principle. So in this example, you're not allowed to extort. <laughs> you're not allowed. Yeah, you're, you're not allowed you're to not allowed pull to people over the people barrel. That's right. And, and especially when you're also a provider of content. I mean, that's quite the advantage. You have the channel and the content where some just have the content. That's yeah. interesting. And, uh, and the thing is, is I, is I view it as... Uh, you know, as an internet service provider, I need Netflix as much as they need me. Yeah, right. Um, if I discriminate against Netflix, um, the uh, my customers are are liable to jump off to somebody else. Now, the thing that Comcast has going for them is in most parts of the com- uh, country where you uh, get Comcast, you have no other choice. Yeah. So it, fundamentally, I believe this is this is not a regulatory issue. Although we can solve in the short term with regulation, I believe it's a competition issue. Yeah. That we have allowed um, uh, Comcast and, and Time Warner Cable and, and some of the other big players to uh, entrench themselves as the only choice for internet in a number of parts of the com- in number number of parts of the uh, country, and um, as a result, they are able to hold content providers over the barrel and say, if you want access to our network, you've got to pay us. Is this so the the FCC then is using, I guess it's title two or whatever to go in just like they did with the bells and the baby bells and, and, and to to make sure that they weren't competing unfairly. They want to basically use the same approach here. Yeah. And, and the depth of that remains to be seen. I mean, I, I have had a, a long standing issue with, uh, not only Comcast, but CenturyLink, and that CenturyLink doesn't allow us to new- use their uh, newer uh, DSL network to provide service to our customers. Comcast never has. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if the FCC is going to go in and say, well, you are providing an essential service, and we want to see more competition. Therefore, you have to reasonably wholesale your network uh, to other entities so we can in- increase that competition. But- I would love to see that happen, but I don't. That nobody's talked about that yet. Yeah. I mean, it seems like, I mean, then the other argument is we've, you know, from the the big providers, we've spent billions of dollars laying the infrastructure and we need to somehow recoup our loss. Uh, they have, but they've also used uh, billions of dollars in uh, taxpayer uh, grants and credits. It's uh, true, huh? And uh, they've had a lot of regulation loosed with the promise that they would provide service all over the country. I mean, the, the 1996 Telecom Act. Uh, the promise was made by the telcos that if you uh, 
uh, don't regulate our digital services, we will provide a 45 megabit service to everybody. Huh. Well, that has not happened. And uh, I, I'm pretty tired of the promises, and I'm pretty tired of the anti-competitiveness. And, and I think that uh, uh, we, need, we need to take a turn for the market not, and uh, the citizens. Yeah. Do, do you – I mean, does it scare you um, – the Internet seems like something that's not easily controlled. And um, it's it, it seems like it's got kind of the frontier spirit and the the idea that the government might step in and start making more regulation, start controlling some of this. Is that worry you at all, Pete? Well, my first law of the Internet is that you can't control the Internet. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, <laughs> um, so the whole idea seems the, ludicrous in a way. Yeah, you, you have... Uh, I guess you're controlling uh, companies. You're not even controlling the content, per se. You're just controlling the access. Right. And you have situations like in China where you have a, a totalitarian regime and you have the great firewall of China and they have tried to control what comes and goes on the Internet and spent hundreds of millions of dollars doing it and failed. However, um, in the United States, we are, we are talking about access. Um, we are talking about uh companies that are under the regulatory control of the United States. And, and we're not talking about blocking uh, content as much as we are talking about deprioritization, slow mm-hmm. lanes, fast lanes, and things that um, are very provable on the outside of somebody's network. Um, yeah, because you could do that yes, independently, right? You could figure that in- independently that they're throttling you down. <laughs> right. And when that is determined, um, the I believe the SEC can, can step in and say, knock it off. and. Yeah allow access to that and and on top of that it, you know the 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 argument that uh you know we're losing money over these customers and, and netflix is is really a threat to us and things like that it's it's been shown that um the cable companies are enormously profitable yeah and every you know there was a time warner cable thing that came out last week that said that their margin on most of their connections is 98 percent oh yeah so they're That's okay. they're doing all right, yeah. yeah. And but I, you know, I I want to see uh, level playing fields. I want to see uh, you know things like municipal networks. Here in Utah, we have the Utopia network that X Mission uh, provides yeah. service on, and I think that is uh, a, a terrific model. Now, didn't the uh, government that, help with that as well? It, absolutely, the local government governments, built yeah. the infrastructure, mm-hmm. and. Um, a lot of people have a, a lot of criticism for Utopia, saying, "Well, it's a it's a money loser. It's 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 been expensive." Well, so have the streets and highways. I mean, the, yeah, the right. highways the highways have. But they're been, necessary, yeah. Yeah, trillions of dollars of money spent, but nobody doubts their economic benefit. And I think if people are saying that the internet is only for entertainment these days, um, you know, they've got to come into the 21st century and realize that it's an essential utility. So true. Let's take a break. I want to come back and talk about what this really means to the average user. What is the average user? Do we need to be worrying about this? I mean, again, it just seems like a bunch of lobbyists fighting over something. But, you know, it's crazy how one little toe getting in this... uh, Getting in this tub is going to create some serious issues long-term, including taxation and, uh, and, and even, like we were talking about earlier, access. More with Pete Ashdown, uh, former U.S. Senate candidate, a Democratic Senate candidate, and ISP owner for X-Mission. Back with uh, Pete when we come back right here on The Matt Townsend Show.
Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, trying to give you some insight into this whole net neutrality uh, discussion, arguments, slash chaos that's going on back in D.C. Uh, complicated, as usual. Um, <laughs> when you take the complexity of the Internet and all of its providers and the ISPs providing service, and, you know, the needs of all of the users, and then you combine it with the great bureaucracy of the federal government, you have created a mix that uh, can only make things crazy and interesting. So we've asked uh, Pete Ashdown to join us. Pete is the CEO and founder of Utah's first independent and the oldest Internet service provider in Utah, X Mission, And he also ran against Orrin Hatch as a Democratic candidate in 2006, and also ran again for the U.S. Senate in 2012. He's very well informed and has a horse in this race. Uh, Pete, welcome back to the show. Thank you. I really um, I appreciate you being here because it's th- this uh, it's it's complex and it's we want it fair and everybody really in the end everything else aside we want our Netflix. <laughs> just just get us a nice streaming of Netflix. Um, and is that, in the end, how does any of this impact just the everyday user? I mean, the companies are going to fight, but what does it matter to just Joe Blow trying to watch Netflix? Well, when Comcast charges Netflix for access, um, that money has to come from somewhere. And Netflix hasn't... Uh, as far as I'm aware, raise the price for any Comcast subscribers. Um, But it is an effect on their bottom line, and it could limit them from lowering the price later, or if enough uh, Internet service providers look at the Comcast model and say, hey, we want our slice too, and they start extorting Netflix, um, they could raise the price up in order to accommodate that and stay in business. Um, the other thing is, is if uh, Netflix uh, doesn't pay up and, and an Internet service provider is, is uh, throttling them or lowering their priority, then the quality of Netflix to the consumer is is not what it should be. And, you know, maybe they can't get that HD quality or uh, maybe there's a lot of buffering and pausing and they can't get through a show. Um, and that affects their uh the, the viability of watching Netflix and their enjoyment. And it's not, you know, it's not just Netflix, it's YouTube and uh, it's uh, Hulu and, and other streaming services. And this whole debate started, you know, back when I ran the first time in 2006, uh, a uh, CEO of AT&T said, we want our, our share of Google. Hmm. And they were just talking about Google, the search engine crossing their network. Yeah, and, some little podunky search engine. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, again, going back to what I say, I, I, I think that's nuts because if I restricted access to Google, my phone banks would light up. You bet. My yeah, because there's a demand. Would be very upset. Well, that, that's why, uh, you know, it's the, the market's going to cry for it and demand it. So uh, really, this is, is about making the Internet a utility like like the other utilities. I mean, is it already a utility? If the FCC I, I think is involved, I think it's getting there. I mean, when we get to the point where every house has uh, an internet jack or something, and you plug into it, and it says, "What internet service provider do you want to use? Enter your credit card here." I think that's when it's finally reached the utility stage. And there are other countries where it's like that. You know, is Sweden it? and South Korea uh, have a very high internet penetration, and, and they've got fiber all over the country. And 
and uh, you can choose from you know a dozen internet providers when you plug into that jack. Yeah, I mean it's a, it's also I guess to the end user just being a business person. If they again, I can't have my ISP extorting me for me to run my business, and if I need bandwidth and they're just going to keep upping my prices, uh, I'm in trouble. So some of this yeah. is just keeping keeping security in our markets, right? Security in in the in the customers, and, and, and openness and evenness and yeah. fairness. Uh, yeah, those are all parts of this net neutrality equation. Uh, I, if uh, if you uh, are competing against an Amazon, and uh, Amazon has an agreement with the internet service providers or one of the the transit providers to say, we'll prior to prioritize our traffic. Oh, and there you it go. It's all the harder for this, this small guy to get ahead. I mean, really, it's kind of like the mafia. I mean, it's, I mean, in a weird way, it's like, hey, we won't beat you up if you just make your payment. Yeah, well, that's why I call it extortion. It, it, it's really interesting, but then all of a sudden, just to get priority, I mean, that's then you've got collusion, right? So now we've got companies growing other companies. And, you know, we've already got Apple at $800 billion or whatever it is in value. I mean, that's it's a weird deal all of a sudden when you start uh, having the top two or three companies colluding, too. Yeah, uh, but there, there's also another dimension to this that a lot of people aren't aware about. So I have a, uh, a very small homespun network here in Utah. And in order to get my traffic to other parts of the Internet, I have to either uh, buy access or exchange access with other companies. Uh, and since about uh, the late 90s, what we started doing is going into what they call uh, uh, peering exchanges, where traffic is handed off to other entities. And that's how the Internet works. You, can't, mm -hmm. you, ha you don't have one entity that owns the whole thing. Right. You have to exchange at these peering locations. And right now we exchange with Facebook. We exchange with Netflix. We exchange with Apple. Um, but if we want to exchange with Comcast, we got to pay to do it. Hmm. And for a small network provider, um, that, that's uh, a, a rough proposition in that they, you know, again, it's very expensive to exchange with their network. Yet a lot of our customers... Uh, you know, maintain their websites from the Comcast network or they access our websites from the Comcast network, it would be beneficial for those Comcast subscribers to connect directly to us. Yeah. But Comcast is demanding that we pay them to directly internet, in, interconnect our networks, even though Apple doesn't care, Google doesn't care, yeah, they want, Facebook yeah. doesn't care. The more the merrier with those companies. Right. Yeah, they're happy to connect to anybody. And maybe it's because they're more on the content side than the Internet side. But there's this there's this opinion, I think, in uh, that, that comes from the, the telephone companies and the cable companies that we're somehow stealing something if we connect directly to their network. Uh, when, in fact, our data has to get there anyway. It's right. just going to take it. It's just going to go out to Denver before it gets here. You know, <laughs> it's it uh, it's it's a matter of making it more efficient when we interconnect. But. Uh, they're not very accommodating when it comes to that. It seems like um, that's why, to me, it doesn't necessarily feel like a utility model because it, it is more about your relationships with all of these other providers in that peering kind of network that that make it run. And yet the government can't. It's not wires. We don't own those. We Those are relationships. But right. it, so it's like it's almost I don't know. I just don't know how you I, I guess that gets into the legislation of all of this. I mean, I guess we could legislate certain things, but then aren't isn't this just going to turn into a bunch of lawsuits? 
Uh, and I'm sure that what the FCC commissioner is proposing is, is going to result in lawsuits from Comcast and Verizon and such. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that they're not going to go easily into that, that quiet night. They're, they're going to fight it and they're going to try and hold on to their monopolies. Um, but I, I think that this, this is not a partisan issue. I mean, there have been some really ignorant statements from, from Ted Cruz about net neutrality. Yeah. But I think a lot of uh, uh, Republicans as well as Democrats uh, recognize that this is an essential part of our lives now, that it's something that we need. And if somebody is not playing fair, if somebody's being anti-competitive on the Internet, if somebody is being held over the barrel, uh, the, the government does need to step in and say, hey, knock it off. Yeah, it's almost once the money. Yeah. Once the money starts getting in. I mean, what's scary is just the example you gave of Comcast. All of a sudden, you know, if Apple could start making a margin, then let's just all start charging the small users, the ex-missions, just a little bit. And then yeah. run you out. But I guess that would right. decrease their network, right? So in the end, they're shooting themselves. I think that, that again, everyone has a an interest in keeping the other players running. Right. I mean, it's it's uh, but running where you are, not not gaining too much. Right. I mean, I I I think that there's a balance in in this that uh, is is somewhat out of whack right now, and it has uh, gone that way because. Uh, of the lack of, of government support for municipal infrastructure like Utopia yeah. uh, and the, the dominance uh, and the growth of uh, a lot of these players since uh, the year 2000. Yeah. Does uh, does this whole – as part of this, I guess, regulation, they, they've basically changed the standard uh, where it's it went from 10 M- megabytes per second to 25. Is that relevant? Does that matter to any of us? Um, I think it's it matters in the sense that a lot of people were advertising broadband that wasn't. Yeah. So, uh, and for the consumer, uh, I, you know, my opinion of broadband is it's not anything less than a hundred megabits. Yeah. At this stage, um, and we're still way behind uh, some of the more uh, advanced countries like Sweden and South Korea. What do they run? What do they? What's their average? A gigabit. I mean, that wow. is pretty much everyone get, can get a gigabit uh, for you know under a hundred bucks a month. So oh, that's Sweden. Okay, yeah. got to write that down. And, and, and South Korea, for that matter, and you know, to some extent, Japan and South Korea. Yeah. Oh my heck! Wait, come on! <laughs> I know. Are you kidding? It's embarrassing. I mean, it is embarrassing. Internet penetration. We invented the thing. I know. And yet we're you know we keep falling in the rankings. I mean, last I checked, we were 18th in the in the world as far as uh, internet speeds and penetration. <laughs> Good old USA. Yeah. Bringing up right in the middle of the pack. I mean, again, oh, it's so frustrating because, um, yeah, I guess it's the money, too. I mean, dial it down, get more people on. Talk to me one more thing I really have got to know. I've got to know. Having just bought two smart TVs mm-hmm. and about six different devices, um, are, are we going to run out of bandwidth? You know, I, when I was uh, first starting out on the internet in the, in the mid '90s, there were people that were saying, "We're going to hit a wall. Yeah, um, we're going to. There's, there's, we don't have enough processing power." Um, but the amount of bandwidth we're moving around today is is vastly beyond what they were predicting. So, uh, I think there is a, a big financial motivator for uh, companies like Juniper and Cisco to, to make faster and faster uh, routers. Um, I mean, the, there are university research research in, um, on how fast we can make bandwidth go that that goes into the terabits. 
Yeah. Um, and and the capacity of fiber uh, is so vast um, that if we are able to get fiber out there and 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 start uh, actively laying it not only on the private side but on the public side, uh, I think fiber will will hold us for a long time to come. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't see a bandwidth wall, and and really you you got to. I, I never thought that I would want a gigabit at home when yeah. I first started Who would out. Need you know, a gigabit? I started, yeah. X Mission had a 1.5 megabit line and and five modems. You know, yeah, uh, when it started smoking, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and. Uh, I, I never thought I'd have a gigabit at home, but I, I sure would like one now. And, yeah, that's cool. Uh, services like uh, 4K TV and, and possibly down the road 8K <sighs> TV are, are going to demand that kind of bandwidth. I know. I have friends that are already shooting videos for YouTube in 4K, and I, I almost just feel like the minute that gets pulled down on somebody's computer or television, you know, your you know, X Mission starts to overheat. <laughs> well, it's a significant amount of our our uh, traffic. I mean, when when uh, people go home at night and they start watching Netflix, our uh, utilization uh, on the internet almost quadruples. Really, versus you know the nine to five business activity. Yeah. You know, it's a uh, it's a really weird world, and I guess too maybe you know if the, if the FCC is going to get involved, and they're going to start regulating. Then maybe have them start investing in fiber optic. <laughs> across the country build that network now it can turn more into a utility what about I, I, you know, i'm all i'm all for that i mean I if mean, you're going to get uh, involved then put your money in and start building us networks yeah one of the, one of the things that got electricity across this country was the rural electrification program yeah where the federal government said we're not going to build it but we will give you low interest or no interest loans to build it yourself mm-hmm. and uh, a number of uh, municipalities and and uh, cities got on board with that and built their electric uh, infrastructure, and a lot of them still run it to this day. I think more cities in Utah have municipal uh, electric yeah. uh, than they have private electric. Oh yeah, that's um, a big deal. You know, down in Provo, for example. Hey, as we wrap municipal electric, as we wrap it up, um, do we? I mean, too. To me, it seems like one of the great threats of the future is probably more of an internet attack. Pulling down the web, which could seriously, you know, talk about throttling. Um, does this in any way make the internet safer? Does it make it safer? I mean, with with such regulation from the FCC coming in, would it make would it make it safer for our kids to not have junk thrown on some of the sites? Would it be regulated more tightly that way? Would it would it be safer from an attack, terrorist attack? Uh, I'd say no, okay. <laughs> because back well, to that that you can't control exactly. the exactly. I know issue, and and we're talking about the content layer. Yeah, and uh, you know the the media companies f- since the internet was popularized in 1995 have been trying to stop people from downloading music and movies, and they spent a lot of money uh, doing that, and yet it still continues. Um, I think the uh, on the issue of security, that's a whole other matter. Um, I have a, not a lot of faith in the government as far as uh, what they call cybersecurity goes. Um, so yeah, I, I think that's more up to the individual operators like X Mission. It's I mean it really is. It's it's funny. It seems like we're at this convergence of technology and government ability, and yeah. So something almost it almost like we need something different than the FCC, like just different than a government entity. 
that can handle the complexity, and yet maybe that doesn't exist. Maybe well, we're, I, you know. this is the argument I made when I ran for office. You know that it would be nice if we had somebody in uh, in government uh, or the Congress that understood technology. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know that wasn't enough of a message to <laughs> to win my election. Yeah. But I, I'm still I still got my. Fingers crossed that somebody will step up and, and win one of those elections and go back and start steering the ship. I love it. And maybe all you need is just a real big Internet blackout. And then you're in. You're yeah, in, Pete. Maybe. <laughs> Let's not hope for that. Hey, Pete, so appreciate you. Great insight. Uh, thanks for, for making this a little bit easier to understand. You're welcome. Anytime. Take care. Uh, again, Pete Ashdown. X-Mission is the name of his company if you want to go check that out. Uh, great stuff. So much we need to learn. And... We all just kind of, you know, they, the news throw they throw it out like we all know what we're talking about. But having somebody like Pete to explain it, give us some insights, great stuff. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be introducing you to one of the new team members of the Matt Townsend Show. It's going to be fun. Uh, just a little intro and a little hazing moment right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, welcome back, everybody. That's the hoedown music. Pump that up a bit there, James. This is Terry's first chance to hear the hoedown music. Ho- hoedown music? This is the hoedown. Listen, All right. This is where it gets funky. Where they you hear that? Break it down a little bit? Yeah. All right. That's the bumblebee. <laughs> you should hear it. James has been mixing this music for years. He, take, he, he, he proposed to his, his girlfriend. Well, he hasn't proposed yet. He will someday propose to that song, using that song. Sorry, Mad right? juice harp skills. That's all I have this to say. Guy. Do, does she listen? <laughs> yes, she does. Is she he going to give it away before you propose? Oh, he announces my proposal every day, actually. Okay. Yeah. Uh, we like to be fresh, new. We like to know things before they even happen. <laughs> the okay. Funny, the funny thing about it, uh, I don't even um, know her name. Actually, the he only one on the team who doesn't know the name. He won't, they won't name. let me know her name. I'm pretty sure it starts with an M. That's pretty smart. Yeah. And I think it's Maggleby's. Maggleby's. That's where I'm going today. Okay. Myrtle? Myrtle. Oh, Myrtle. We haven't used Myrtle. McClintock's a popular McClintock one. McClintock. McClintock. All right. It's a difficult name with a lot of c- c- cuz in it. Hey, uh, in the house right here, we're going to call him. His name's Terry. Terry South. He's the newest member of the team. He also likes to be called Terrell Williams South Jr. No. <laughs> TWS. When my mom's mad at me, sure. But Does she say that? Yeah. Do you go by Junior at home? No. I go by Terry. That's good. Terry's uh, the producer. He's going to be taking over the reins and trying to somehow steer this ship uh, so it doesn't crash into the shore. It's more of the out-of-control car and you just kind of bump it. To keep it on course. So, yeah, really? that, that's how I see it. It's kind of like bumper cars. A little bit. And you're the guy with the switch that can turn the power off. Yeah. There's a team. It's that's not just weird. me, but yeah. Um, well, you're going to be great. Uh, but tell us about your background. You did sports morning show stuff. So this is going to be a little different. A little bit. I, mean, a lot I, mean, of, uh, I know a lot about sports, not to brag. Really? I'm kind of a big deal. Kind of a big I'm deal. Kind of a big deal. We had to correct you on the name there yeah, earlier. Yeah, so. Well, somebody put, uh, yeah, <laughs> Collinsworth. It's not Collingsworth, James. They, they play next door, but that's fine. Yeah. Yeah. I actually live a, a little ways away, so 
I don't get to watch him much. Hey, so, um, yeah, 10 years in uh, yeah. radio, doing morning shows, getting up early. So you're used to so. the schedule. Oh, yeah. It's great. This, this actually, it didn't change anything with my family. Didn't it really? My wife and I started talking about it, and my, my son's not even going to notice. I don't even think you noticed that I was home for a while, and now I'm <laughs> gone again. He, he's off at daycare. It's he's, great. Like, he's just having fun. Yeah. When I started the morning show, my wife and I had to start counseling. That's okay. how big of an impact it was. Really? And I am a counselor. It starts impacting your relationship? Well, it's like, yeah. My wife's been doing it for a decade, so that's it's fine. Good. That's good. And when we were dating, I was working even more. Yeah, so this is a piece of cake. I, I was amazed I got married. The like, cool. I had no free time, but she's like, okay, I'm good with it. You got it. I'm like, great. This is, a, this is I think, really fun for the show, too. We've got, we've got some seriously great talent, and uh, the neat thing about it is BYU Broadcasting is putting some, some effort to to make this thing work. So it's if, if this doesn't work, it's pretty much your fault, Terry. Yes, that's what I was told. Is that what you're telling? Yeah, I, I, need, I need to put my thumb yeah. print, I guess, on this show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, so yeah. If, it, if, it's a, if it's a problem, it's all me. It totally is. If I, if I were you, I would start with James, though. Okay. James, he's a loose cannon. All over the place. He's, he's troubled. Oh, I've, I've noticed in most don't, situations, don't you. Don't, shh, criticism shh. starts at the top and goes downhill. So whoever's yeah. at the bottom gets it all. It always gets. I, look, right. look who just came in there. Hey, Don. Hey. Ah, oh, Don. Come in, Don. Come in. Come in. Grab a mic. Don. Don's here. Don. Matt Townsend. Matt Don. Townsend in the morning. Don's the boss. You know, the, the thing I like best about all of this is that Matt comes in his pajamas now. Did you see that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. You know what? And by the way, the zipper on my um, footsie pajamas. It was stuck, and I couldn't undo it until Terry got here. Probably. The, the trouble is it's not a zipper. That's Velcro. Oh, that's the problem. I think it's cool, though, that you have a different set of footies every single day. Oh, yeah. Like today it's a monkey. Yeah, did you see that? That's cool. Hey, did you, did you um, Don? Yes. That's have right. you met Terry? Yes, I have, as a matter of fact. Terry South's <laughs> our new producer. Terry is uh, is a very qualified gentleman here. We we thought we'd bring a little class to the show. <laughs> you know what? Sorely lacking. Honestly, <laughs> so grateful. But I mean, Terry, like the net neutrality discussion we just had. I was talking to Terry before the show, and he knew everything about it. Did he? Yeah, everything. See right there. Boom. He's already. You like, got somebody that actually knows what we're talking about. I think there's a real new. Uh, there's something going on. It's a new we, element we're, yeah, to the that, show. Now I've got to study just to keep up with Terry. Unless we just get Terry to do it. Um, so tell us what you th- what's the vision of the show, Don? The vision of this show, the Matt Townsend show. Uh, we all know and love Matt Townsend as a guy who uh, will tell you his opinions and uh, not be afraid to do that. Yeah. And also do it in a way that is kind of uh, fun and, yeah, and you uh, don't approachable. Know, you didn't know I did it. No, no. You'll, you'll enjoy that. Subtle. Uh, but on top of that, this is, this is a way to start the morning where you've got um, – Things going on, you know, throughout the world, uh, the world churns on with all kinds of, uh, uh, well, exciting as well as catastrophic yeah, type things. Horrible. And, and we don't want to just uh, skate by those. We want to make sure that we talk about that as well and yeah. uh, help people kind of get a get a grip on uh, what, what that means in their lives. You yeah. know, I, I've got a family. I've got kids. I've uh, got to go through the day. Uh, something big happening over in the Mideast or, or wherever it happens. Uh, how does that impact me? doesn't directly, but there are a lot of ways that that does impact me. Oh, yeah. Me. Well, and you yeah, hear it in the news, and you're supposed to know what it means. Yeah. And that's one of the goals I know we have is I want to educate. So when we talk about the Ukraine and Russia, 
I want to get somebody on that knows what they're talking about. And it's, so it's not just about the policy or that decision of the day. It's about what's going on. Now you need – this is why people are worried about Russia or yeah. Putin or – yeah. And, and along the way, too, we can have some fun. You can have you know, fun. Yeah. You know, we also – there are things like what's the latest movie out or things like that. We can certainly uh, fold that in. But, right. hey, the point is we, we love having uh, people all across this great nation of ours tuning in to us. Uh, they, they tune in whether it's uh, uh, on SiriusXM or they stream uh, on our website. More and more people are uh, picking us up on their uh, their iPhones, their droids, and things like that, the tablets, and yeah. uh, that's a great way to listen. Well, I think we got a great a great deal. And Don, thanks for coming in. I sure. mean, I, I, thought, I just was actually coming to get a pen. Uh, I thought you were actually going <laughs> to get rid of us or something. No, no, Matt, you're doing great. Just Terry, thanks for being here too. Uh, you'll hear a ton from Terry again. Sean's sticking around. Sean's not going anywhere. He's locked and loaded. Uh, we're going to take a break, my friends. This is the Matt Townsend Show back. For hour number three, right after the break. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Matt Townsend Show. Top of the hour, actually, six minutes after the hour. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Uh, Dr. Matt Townsend here giving you the uh, the tools you need to help you create the great life. Your great life. You know, we're all here on this great big ball of mud. And the reality is most of us didn't come with a user's manual. So on our program, we like to not just inform you, but uh, if we can, make it fun for you and also give you the tools, the solutions you need. Today, we're going to be talking about money with Chris Miles. He's going to be joining us. And uh, hey, by the way, do you think it's a good idea or a bad idea to tell your children how much you make? There was a great uh, article. Uh, how, do you, what do you feel about that, James? I don't know. I, I've never really thought about that, I guess. Well, do your kids know how much you make? Um, and I don't have kids, so... Uh, oh, okay. Good! So, I don't know. That's I don't know. Great. What do you think? Are you, do I've you never told them. Actually, I've told my kids. Uh, you know, generally. Within tens of dollars. <laughs> <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's a touchy thing because, you know, historically, we were you know, I, I kind of grew up where you don't talk about money, you know, yeah. sex, religion, politics. Yeah, me too. But, I think you got to be open about it, though. Because, I, I mean, you, your kids... Your kids can't go around saying, Mom, I want this, and you tell them, well, we can't afford that right now. All you have to do is go to that machine over there and get some money. Money comes out of it. Yeah. It's a money machine, Mom. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we'll be talking about that in the next segment. Um, but here's, here's some other headlines for you. One that you know may have slipped through the cracks. You, you remember Charles oh, Manson? Something's cracked here. <laughs> the infamous criminal Charles Manson. Um, you know, I don't know if you heard. We we kind of talked about it on a show a while ago that he he was recently engaged to a woman in her twenties. That's right. So James, y- you missed her. Thank goodness. <laughs> she was chasing Charles Manson. But according to the New York Post uh, journalist Daniel Simone, that engagement apparently was just a scheme by the fiance. That fiance was not really in love with Charles Manson. What I know. She's a schemer. She played his heart. 
she's playing a guy on death row, Charles Manson. Doesn't get much lower than that. But do you know why she was playing him? No. Why? What would be the benefit? What would be the great I've read the story, so I know the punchline. So, James, you'll have to Life insurance? No. Mm -mm. No. Uh, So when all is said and done, Manson is 80 years old. Mm Mm-hmm. And Afton Elaine Burton was her name, who, according to the Post, is now 27, goes by the name Star. She applied for a marriage license in November. The license expired last week. They had originally uh, planned to reapply, but uh, now this new unexpected twist has come out. It was all a scheme. Basically, what she wants to do is when, when Manson dies, she wants his body. Okay. So she can put it in a crypt similar to the famous tomb of Vladimir, Len- Vladimir Lenin mm-hmm. in Moscow. Really? Where a glass, everybody can go a glass box. see it. So she wants to marry him so she can make his body into a museum of sorts? Like yes. A, yeah. A destination? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. It's kind of like it's, – it's Hey, a, kids. We're going on vacation. We're going to Manson land. <laughs> Yay. Get in the hearse. We're going to Manson land. And, uh, <laughs> oh, man. I mean, it's crazy. It, it's crazy. But you know what? Charles Manson made, made, made a good decision in this, in this sort of he's, – he's like, he did. He's it, like I, – I, I just feel used. Yeah. I don't know what it is. I don't feel like she's connected to me. It's more like she just wants my money. She's different. She's changed. Yeah. She doesn't want my you, money. She wants me. my body. <laughs> there it is. First time a guy's ever been able to use that line. She likes me for my you body. You just want my body. Actually, I just want your dead body. Yeah. Oh, uh, isn't that creep. weird? Creepy. Yeah. See, you know, right when you think it couldn't get worse. It, 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 it apparently can get worse. Um, did you hear the story about the stolen three-month-old kitten? No. This, this is the kinder, gentler story that will take you out of the darkness of man. So oh, thank you. Okay. Yeah. Kinder, gentler story. Uh, this is in Minneapolis. The AP is reporting that a man stole a three-month-old kitten from, Minia- from a, a Minneapolis pet store only to return it the next day with an apology note. <laughs> Why? <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, he wanted the cat. He broke in from PetSmart in Minneapolis asking to look at the cats. And when the man was done, the manager locked up the cages, left him alone. And another employee walked by shortly after and noticed the lock on the kitten's cage had been cut with a bolt cutter. Oh. He really wanted that kitten. He wanted that kitten. And he found out later he didn't want the kitten. Huh. So this – you just file this away and kittens are a lot more work than you think. (laughs) So, I mean, he went through all that work to get the poor little kitty and then he had to bring it back. Yeah. Apparently he wanted to give the kitten away for Valentine's Day. Hmm. You know? Yeah. Okay, just as a relationship expert, I wouldn't go with a kitten. Go with a fern. Give him a love fern. <laughs> Nothing says love like a fern. Yep. Um, you know what does say love? Oh, I hope I can find my article. Um, how about a cockroach? Well, a cockroach that's says debatable. love. Yeah, that's the What you do? Zoo, right on the back of it? Kind of. The Bronx Zoo, if you want to, they will help you name a cockroach, a roach. Okay. Why? So you can and you can give it away as a gift. 
Do you get the actual cockroach, or does it stay no. at the zoo? It stays. It stays at the zoo. So, so this is like giving out away. This is like giving a star to yeah, somebody. When you think about it, you're in New York. Nobody wants a cockroach. Mm, true. They've got their own. But they've got a few. But what you can <laughs> do is you can actually send somebody a message, and for ten dollars, you can put name a roach after someone you don't <laughs> I'm love. Sorry. So if you want, if you have an ex spouse or an ex wife that you don't like, name a roach. <laughs> and it's not just for wives or exes, by the way. It, it's it also could be for you know ex in laws. And on, on the little paper, I guess they send you a little paper. Is wait a minute? Hmm? I bet this is how Star broke the news to Charles Manson with a roach. Yeah, I doubt it. on his back. Why stop at roaches? Why not go to like rats? You know, small rodents. Yeah, but what's what's so great about that? The Bronx Zoo is raising ten dollars for every roach that we. That they sell. I think turtles would be better. You got more room to write the message. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. No, but so. no you actually, it'll, it'll come. You can get a little. You can get a little envelope. Ten dollars goes to the Wildlife Conservation Society, and all you got to do is go to the website, the zoo's website, and they'll have a glamour shot of your two-inch wide roach <laughs> oh, with man. in the image with resplendent uh, uh, oh god rose petals sprinkled all around it, <laughs> and that that has a headline on the picture that says "Sealed with a hiss." Oh, so it's a hissing cockroach. I guess. Oh goodness, the Madagascar but hissing that, cockroach. Yeah. Mm. So, if you've got an incredibly, you know, positive, fun spouse, get her a cockroach. Yeah. Or if you have an enemy, send him a cockroach. Okay. That does mean love to me. That that sounds do you incredible. Feel it? Yeah, you feel oh, yeah. The love? <laughs> I do. It's good stuff. Now, Sean, what have you got there? I have the answer to an age-old question. What is it? Yes? Well, let's get the age-old question okay. first. Mr. Owl, how many licks does it take to get to the Tootsie Roll Center of a Tootsie Pop? A good question. Let's find out. One, two, three, three. If there's anything I can't stand, it's a smart owl. So, oh, according to the owl, it takes three licks to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop. Yeah, three but licks and a bite. People have found, found, you know, they've been trying to do this for years. Yeah. I mean, that commercial is not exactly That's not new. new. No, no, that was in black and white. But now mathematicians have discovered how many licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop. Well, this is the greatest study ever. But you can you can actually try it right now if you want. I think I might. I, I brought Tootsie Pops in, so you can try this. What's but the what, answer? But what they were doing actually is they were studying uh, how fluids dissolve materials, things mm. like rocks, you know, geological fa- digs and things like that, even pills for pharmaceutical needs. Yeah. But the lollipop angle was just this fun side yeah. sort of thing. In fact, Tootsie Roll got in on the fun too when they found out that they were doing this study. They sent them boxes and boxes to oh, use for what testing. A great. They deal. didn't use those though. What they used was they. Uh, they they did some mathematics, and they used a, a model and a giant homemade ball of candy. And so their answer to how many licks it takes to get to the center of a Tootsie Pop is an estimate. It's a rough estimate. Yes. Of 1,000. Wow. Exactly 1,000 licks. Well, it's a rough estimate. That's a lot. Still. I mean, just the, just the caloric burn. Yeah. It's a lot of work. And that's, that's not having it sit in your mouth. That is dissolving. Just licking. so that's cheating. So if yeah. you just took a lick, yeah, wow. So and you, say that's more than caloric burn. That's going to be like chemical burn on your tongue. Oh, yeah. uh, that true. One thousand licks. One thousand yeah. licks. Can yes. someone's tongue really take that? I have no I, idea. Yeah. And 
I don't know. You keep trying it, and we'll we'll find out. Like By the way, endurance. I am going. I'm doing another study. Yes, I'm doing a study. I just want it out there in case the company wants to provide us free samples. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm doing a study um, on how long it takes to dissolve a Cheeto in one's mouth. Well, that doesn't take wow. Very long. I've done that. No, but I'm I'm, I'm doing an official study. Okay, I, I will volunteer. I just need Cheetos. No, I'm. I'm volunteering. That's funny because I'm doing a study as well. Uh, how many? It's it's along the lines of Tootsie Roll. How many bites does it take to finish a, a Big Mac? Really? Yeah. So again, if, if McDonald's wants to participate, yeah, yeah, or Cheetos, feel free. To I'm going to do donate. a study on how long it takes a twenty dollar bill to dissolve in my wallet. Really? <laughs> yeah. So if you want to donate to that cause, just talk to Don. Yeah. That's good stuff. Good stuff. Hey, uh, we're going to take a break. When we come out, come back, Chris Miles is going to be joining us. He's going to teach us what do we do? How do we teach our kids about money? How much do we talk about it? How much should we share? What do our children need to know? What do you need to know when it comes to your own money management? Good stuff, folks. This is the Matt Townsend Show, giving you the tools and the hope, hopefully, to live a healthier, better life. We'll be right back right here on Sirius XM 143 BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. Hey, today uh, on the show, we're talking money. James, don't look at me that way. Yeah, maybe you shouldn't sing. You know, I was thinking if if the show falls through, I'm going to do money. I'm going to do songs about money. Oh, wow. That's what I was thinking about. There's a future in that. Well, actually, don't quit your day job. Or I'm going to just continue (laughs) doing studies about Tootsie Pops. That's a good one. Not a bad idea. Probably more successful. That's exactly right. The other day, uh, I was perusing through the news, and on the New York Times, there is an article by Ron Lieber uh, titled, Your Money, Why You Should Tell Your Children How Much You Make. And I thought about that, and that seems crazy to me because that could seriously, you know, if my kids knew how much we made, they'd probably, you know, want to spend, they'd either feel bad or they'd want to spend more. And so um, we asked an expert to come join us today. Um, his name is Chris Miles, and Chris is from MoneyRipples.com, a great website for information about uh, cash flow and and just creating lasting wealth. He's the leading authority in that field, and uh, for thousands of his clients, entrepreneurs and others internationally, he's he's been out teaching, educating, and showing people how to, to manage their money a lot better. Chris, we so appreciate you being here. Hey, I love being on. What, what do you think about that idea, telling your children how much money you make? I think it's a great idea. Let it out. Yeah. They probably already know, yeah, just they, rifling they, through mom's purse. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> if they know anything, they, they probably know that. But it's funny. We don't even know how to manage a checkbook. Mm. So, I mean, while you're at it, teach them that. Right. There's a lot of stuff we can teach. There's a lot of things we can teach. And I, I don't know why it's become such a big secret for, for kids in the first place. One, there's no judgment. Yeah. We're going to be a way harsher judge than they are. Right. Right. 
But I think it's it's interesting because you're right. There's a lot of different perspectives out there. Some people might think, oh, great. Now they're going to think I have too much money. Now yeah. they're going to want to spend it. That's right. Or they're going to think, well, maybe I'm ashamed of where I'm at. So yeah. I don't want my kids to know that. I don't want them to take on these adult problems. Yeah. You know, those kind of things that come up. And it's really kind of kind of ridiculous when you think about it. These are just talking our head. They're just kids. And yeah. I and I found if they're asking, then there there's interest. Yeah. So to me, it sounds like, too, a great time to kind of open the subject up. Yeah. So before I just start, ah, oh, well, I make this much, I would probably say, well, that's an interesting question. Tell me why you're so interested. And then figure out what's going on. And it might be, well, John just told me his dad makes $1.2 million a year. <laughs> then I'm like, yeah, we're not talking about this. But it's interesting. They want to talk. And anytime a kid's going to talk, you probably ought to keep it going. Oh, for sure. What else do they need to know when it comes to our kids? I, I really feel like we don't prepare them. You know, we don't prepare them for. A, you know, what's going to impact them financially. I think that's a problem is that uh, I know my parents never did. You know, they never want to talk about money. No. They would always talk about how we don't have any. Yeah. Right. We are so poor. Yeah. Hey, you don't think money grows on trees? What do you think I am? Made of money? That's right. You know, those kind of things yeah. you'd hear growing up. And those are the things that really carry on to future generations. And, and I'm, I want to create that ripple effect of legacy. I don't want people to have that kind of feeling about money. I don't want kids to, to think that's the way it has to be, that it has to be a sensitive subject, that it's something that people can't you know, can't talk about it. It's something that should be talked about, and I think it's, I love it's a that. wonderful I, thing. The ripple effect. Yeah. But really, it's because how I manage my money will impact how they manage their money. Right. If I don't talk about money, they're not going to talk about money. Right. So we, we, we start opening it up. And, and what are some very specific things that you would say, okay, kids, these are some things, and, and how would you teach them? Like, how would you teach your child to balance a, an account? You know, first, let them have money. Yeah, that's a good start, right? Yeah, get them get them some cash in their hands. Get them some cash in their hands. I mean, obviously they need to tithe part of it. You know, they need to yeah. learn that. Yeah, you know, it's so funny because some of my kids are so good at that, and then others think, "Oh wait, I got tithing. Well, yeah. I'll just pay all of this money yeah. to the tithing." Because so, so, right? some are going to give ten percent to the church, or even just to a community or a charity or something. Right. Yeah, and that's a great that's a great thing to teach right up front. If you're blessed, give back. Yeah. What else would you teach them? You know, I also teach them to not spend it all, right? Yeah. I mean, keep something. Now, understand, money is meant to be used. We're stewards. Right. We're not meant to hoard and cash money away. Yeah. It's meant to be used, but it's not meant to just be blown. On the flip side, it's not meant to be hoarded either, where you right. just hoard it, hoard it, hoard it, and then it becomes everything in your life, right? Yeah. And we've never met those people before. It's like, because uh, money has value, but the value, like you're saying, it's it's maybe what you can do with it. It's how you use it. Right. But you could become so conservative in your effort that in a way all you ever think about is saving your money. Yeah. If every question comes down to money, <laughs> it's sad. It's hard. And so yeah. some com- some couples or people that um, that don't have money, they're naturally – every question is going to be a money issue. Right. But then there's others that have money and every question is still a money issue. That's right. So it's not about rich or poor necessarily. Even if you don't have enough, the, com- the, the couples that are making it and getting by, what a great lesson to teach your kids how to get by on hardly any. That's right. Well, I think there's three different perspectives that kids and even adults need to understand. I mean, two of them are rooted in fear. One's rooted in faith. For example, the two, you have the spender mentality yeah. where it's always about – you know, it's easy come, easy go, right? right? It's being blown. Get it, get it. There's get also it. the saver mentality, which is everything comes in. You can never save enough. You can never yeah. pay off debt fast enough. It's yeah. like you're always talking about money from that standpoint. It's still rooted in fear, and fear drives away money out of your life. It's huge. But the third one, which is actually where we want to be, is right in the middle of those two. 
because those are two extremes. Right. right in the middle is called being a steward. Yeah. And stewards aren't afraid to use money. They just don't blow it. They yeah. want to use money. They want to increase and beautify and multiply and make things better and make the world a better place. So it's really like it's a steward. It's like you, you know, grandpa gives you this horse and your job is to watch out for the horse, yeah. protect the horse, but not just corral it and right. not just let it go free where right. it ends up in the canal somewhere. Yeah. You got to take care of it. You got to care enough about it. Use it. Let other people use it. Breed it. You know, breed make it. more steward. of them. Yeah, steward. It's all about, always about increasing those blessings. That's a cool word. Um, it's a word we don't use very often, but it should I love be it. though. No, don't you think? Yeah, I really do. It's it's because it's it's almost almost something sacred to it, and and money has the ability. It's weird because values are it's it's so up for interpretation how mm-hmm. we value it, but you can't you can't teach your children the value of money unless they're involved in it. And a lot of times we just right. keep them out of it until they need it. Then we send them to college and they have no concept. Yeah, no, absolutely. I just last night I decided to experiment with this a little bit, and so I pulled out my computer. I said, "Hey guys, I want to show you what happened last month." Now. Obviously, just showing – I love what this guy did in the story where he plopped down like $10,000 of cash or so. Yeah. I didn't have time to go to the bank and do that. You know, <laughs> yeah. he, he took him 24 hours to do that. But I, I pulled up. I had mint.com. I said, hey, guys, uh-huh. check this out. And I had nice little pie graphs. I said, here's how much we brought in. And I said, you guys are right now saving up for a puppy. And they're saving up $200 right now for that puppy. And they've wow. got a nice little jar. Yeah. And they're realizing it takes work. And, so and, I, great. and I said, I was like, hey, look at this. See what we spent here. Like, here's how much we made. Yeah. Here's how much we spent. See this, these utility bills. That was two puppies. Like that was 400 <laughs> bucks right there. That's like dad threw down two puppies. <laughs> yeah. Everything's now the value of a puppy. But at their that's age, right. how old are they? Uh, they're between two and 10. Yeah. But tell me, that's perfect. Now yeah. everything is in relation to the puppy. Then when they're 16, it'll be in relation to the car. Right. And then it'll be in relation to whatever, the, the bills. Yeah, exactly. What a great lesson though. Yeah, it's and, really fun. And I, I like, too, that, um, yeah, you're speaking their language. You're, you're doing it on their level. Um, you also – they also now know – because they still – they now know the value of a money. $200 equals a puppy. Then they're going to have to learn the lesson of the value of a puppy. Right. But that equals like four stains that you have to wash out of the carpet, <laughs> five early mornings when you have to take that dog out that's crying, you know, right. one piano that's been gnawed on or chewed out. Um that's really powerful. And how do you, um, I guess, what are some more th- things that you see, you know, in your financial world, coaching couples and people? Um, what else do we need to do? What else do they need to know about money? I, I really believe it starts with the parents. Yeah. It, it always does. I mean, because and it's not our fault as parents. I mean, we, mm. we've been taught certain things, I mean, especially from the Depression. Yeah. The Depression created a lot of bad things around money. Tough. I think some of the things really became taboo. Because if we go back to the 1800s when we all had farms, right? Right. I mean, how many of us were really worried about telling our kids what's going on off the farm? We just yeah. said, hey, here's where we are. We need to produce crops or we're dead, you know, right. or we can't survive. Right. Law of the you harvest. Know, there's, huh? there's, a, there's really like this working together as a family. Yeah. And I think we've lost that. Well, and, and yeah, and we almost don't have to because just dad goes to work, mom goes to work. We all come back. We get on the internet. We get on whatever. We're doing all of these things. Right. But it, it wasn't necessarily by the sweat of your brow. That kid right. didn't have to get up to go do chores before he had to get to school. Right. Yeah. Although we, we, we constantly drill sergeanting our kids to do chores before yeah. school and, yeah. and after, right? But yeah. But yeah, it's not the same thing. It's, yeah, it's, we have a – it's a different – it's a disconnect. There's a disconnect. Really. Yeah, I was going to say that. And yeah. I think that's where, you know, even with the lesson last night is bringing that back home. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, there's an interesting experience I had two nights ago. With my daughter, you know, we were, it was after dinner, we we're cleaning up yeah. and she said, and the boys ran off. 
And my daughter, she's the second oldest. She's eight years old. Yeah. So uh-oh. the ten year old ran off. The seven year old ran off. Yeah. The five year old ran off. The two year old doesn't do much, anyways. <laughs> yeah. Right. And as she was there, she was starting to lament and kind of complain, saying, "Oh, why? Why am I always the one doing the work? Why are you always having me do this? It's so not fair. It's not fair." And, and I said, "Let me ask you a question. You know, why do you think we keep asking you to do these things? I don't know. Well, if you look at it this way, who do we know we can trust to do the work?" Me. Right. There you go. Who, by the way, has the most money out of all the kids? Me, I guess. Yeah. Right. She's like, yeah, but they, you know, An- you know, Andrew got paid a quarter. I didn't get paid anything. I said, yeah, but that's, maybe it's because mommy and daddy are waiting to save to pay you dollars. Yeah. You know, stop worrying about the quarters when you could be earning dollars. Well, that's interesting. Yeah, you got to teach them the breakdown. And I mean, yeah. the, the, the money value is the same. Right. So, yeah. So, so it's almost just like getting it in their hands, too, and letting them experience yeah. it. She got paid five bucks yesterday. She was elated. Yeah, she bounced off, and she's like, "I'm rich. <laughs> I'm going to go buy me a dog." Right. Um, let's take a break, Chris. We're talking with Chris Miles from MoneyRipples.com. Just ideas, simple, basic ideas that we could be teaching our kids. One of them, simply, let's start getting them some money in their hands that they have to pay for stuff. Let them buy their own candy for heaven's sakes. Good stuff. We'll take a break. More after the break, right here on the Matt Townsend Show. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. It's a great song. You like Dire Straits? I love it. Uh, in the house, Chris Miles is with us from MoneyRipples.com. And Chris has spent, uh, you know, much of his professional life working with people, helping them get on back on the fast track of life financially, get in the game, figure out how to, to you know, manage their budget and their cash flow and, and make money, for heaven's sake. Make money on the money you, you've got. And he's joining us today, basically talking a little bit about an article that we found in the New York Times that you should tell your children how much money you make, uh, which, again, kind of goes against the, some of the old you know, wisdom of old where you don't talk about your money. But you've already blown that up, Chris. We should, we should talk about it and we should watch out for the language we actually use when it comes to money. Absolutely. What do you mean by that? You know, we really got to talk about money from a positive light. Yeah. You know, because I was raised where money was in short supply. It was something that you just didn't have enough of. It was a necessary evil and that kind of thing. Yeah. And we have to really watch our language as parents when we're looking to teach our children because our children are going to teach their children. And we're going to create a legacy of either fear and scarcity. That's a great way to think of it. And abundance. So, I mean, really, if your language is very fearful, like, ugh. Better be saving. Save, save, save. Right. But you, you like the idea of the faith base that's a little bit more, we're here as a steward of the money. Right. You're not supposed to just hoard it, and you're not just supposed to waste it and use it on stuff. You're supposed to use it wisely as a steward. Exactly. It's cool. And, and you know, when we look at this, even if you're in a tough time right now, because there's a lot of people going through tough times at different times. We all have different challenges. I've had lots, you know. There's, it's, it's fine. You know, it's, it's okay to talk about those openly, but don't talk about those from a standpoint of, I just hate this situation. I hate money. I hate this where you lose faith. Right. You know, the reality is that you've, you, you've never starved. You know, yeah. I, I tell my clients all the time, God will never let you starve. Right. You're, yeah. You're still eating. You're still eating. Right. Yeah. And even if things seem as horrible and, oh, we might lose this or lose that. Well, you know what? Who cares? And you lose it and you'll get it back again. Yeah. And you'll you, fight back. You'll always fight back. We will always find a way to survive. We've done it for thousands of years. We'll do it for thousands of years more. Mm-hmm. Right. 
And so I think that's the key thing is that when you talk about money, don't use things like like unt. Yeah. Like unt. unt. No unt. You know, no can't, no, don't, can't. won't, yeah. couldn't, shouldn't, wouldn't. You know, all those kind of languages that that are limiting. Yeah. You know, start talking about like what we can do. How, how that, can we do it? Like, how yeah. can we make it? So I want to go to trip. I want to go on a trip. My kids always want to go to Orlando, Florida. Right. So I should instead of, instead of saying I can't, we can't go. I should say, great. How could we do that? Yeah. What, what are some Let's ways build we do a that? plan. Yeah. Last night we talked about Disneyland. It's like great. We probably need between two thousand twenty five hundred bucks. That's between you know ten and fifteen. You know, ten and twelve puppies. Right. That's it. That's a seven <laughs> puppy trip. That's right. That's a big puppy right there. <laughs> And you know, and and those kind of things. Just talking about that, great. Yeah. What could we do? And and yeah, granted, we're going to be paying for it. You know, yeah. probably not our kids, obviously. But just to let them know, hey, this is something we should set a goal for. Let's make a plan for it. Let's make it happen. Maybe it's not today, but let's make it happen. Well, and how great that they earn money on their own, and they take their money to Disneyland, and they see that right. twenty five dollars buys them a soda. Yeah, exactly. Or like, water. Or whatever's there. I mean, what's great is because I sat there, I had the sticker shock, mm-hmm. yet my kids didn't. So right. I actually was, I bumpered, I buffered them. I was the bumper between them and the sticker. And I took all the beating. But maybe if right. they bring their own money, they bring their $50, great. Pick whatever you want in the park. Yep. They might blow it all in one place and That's then right. say, great, now I have the next three days to yeah. do what? So, right, but they've learned something. They have, especially if they earned that fifty dollars. Especially if they earned the fifty, it's a big deal. Anything else we need to worry about? You know, other things to really just focusing on, like you said, like productive questions. Yeah, um, avoiding things where, again, like there's that negative emotion behind it. Right, uh, it doesn't mean that you won't have challenges, but being open. And, and don't make it seem like a sensitive topic. This is not like maturation class in school, right? right? Yeah. You know, it doesn't have to be that Ugh, crazy. Here we go. Yeah. Oh, no. Like, why are you asking this That's question? Oh, right. uh, we'll ask mom. We'll have mom defer yeah. to that. Just, <laughs> right. just be open with them and talk to them about, about money and, and just really make it a common subject, very commonplace, which it should be. Yeah. Because if it's not commonplace in your home, it will become commonplace later in life. Totally. What's that going to do? I mean, we've got a whole generation of kids that are growing up spoiled. Oh, Totally. It, it's horrible. Yeah. I always I always use Stephen Covey had a phrase that he used to say, no margin, no mission. So mm. the reason he ran a business was for margin, but because it fulfilled his mission. Right. But um but same thing, if you don't have a mission and all you're trying to get is margin, that's that's kind of less of the steward. Yeah. So we want we want the margin to fulfill the mission. So we also should be talking about what how money does motivate us. Right. How, What's the purpose? Yeah. And tell those stories, right? Yeah. Absolutely. Share the stories. Yeah, there's gonna be a real purpose behind it. It mm-hmm. can't just be I want more money. Yeah. Like, why? I mean even when I ask parents as clients, okay, well why do you want this money? What do you think it'll give you? You know, what's the really the purpose behind it? What do you really see? Most people have no clue why they want anything. Oh, yeah, no. Or totally. even what they want. It's, yeah. it's like Mark Twain said, I would like to get people what they want. I just can't find anybody who knows what they want. <laughs> it's true. And, and money is a really weird thing. I see it with couples as well. The money idea, like, um, it's power. It's it's priority. Mm-hmm. Um, there's judgment behind it. Oh, yeah. There's so many things that are involved just with money that – we got to be careful, and and it's. Uh, did you see that uh, the video that's all going over YouTube right now about the guy that gave a hundred dollars to a homeless guy? No, I haven't. So a, a YouTuber gave a hundred bucks to a homeless guy, basically to see what he was going to do with it. Mm-hmm. Filmed the whole thing from a distance. The guy ran, made a beeline right to the liquor store. Uh huh. And the videographer is like, you know, he's setting it up like, oh, here's this is why we don't do this. <laughs> the guy's in there, comes out with a huge bag of um stuff and uh 
spent the whole 100 bucks in there, came out carrying the bag. The videographer follows him to the park where all the homeless people are yeah. sitting at a picnic bench. And it looks like they're about to have a big party. <laughs> and he breaks out the stuff from the, the, uh, the liquor store and it's food. It's just food. Yeah. No liquor. Hundred bucks worth. And he ran up and was like, What like I gotcha and he found out it was just food. Just stuff that these people need. Day in, day out, just stuff. And uh the videographer felt so bad and he and he right. just said, I'm so sorry, I was judging you. And then he asked him why, why he did that. And the guy basically just shared because it makes me feel good. Yeah. So there's the faith, there's the steward. That's right. I've actually awesome. seen that too. Two months ago, we went to a homeless shelter to to go volunteer and hand out the hand warmers, and you know it really touched. It affected my life, but it affected my kids' lives especially because oh, yeah. they saw that you know when we ran it short, we ran a supply fast. Yeah, people were really begging for it, but they were gracious. Yeah, they accepted it. And if they, you know, I said, you know, one person came up to us said, "Oh, do you have any more?" It's like, "Sorry, we just gave it away." And the person right next to her just said, "Here, take mine." Oh man, I love that. I mean, so that's cool. that's a steward mentality. Even that's if they it. have very little, yeah. that's the kind of mentality we should all have. Doesn't that's mean right. we just give things away. We got to be responsible for it and make best use of it. And your your kids will never forget that they've it's, learned it. They're there. It's there. Ah, oh, it's good stuff. Well, we appreciate you being on the show, Chris. Chris Miles again. Go to his website, Money Ripples. That's the rippling effect. Your money should impact not just you financially, but impact others' lives, just like a pebble in the stream. Chris Miles is his name again. Go to MoneyRipples.com and uh, learn more about what you can do for you and your family. This is the Matt Townsend Show. We'll be right back. Hey, when we come back. We're going to be tossing it over for a bit to BYU Sports Nation. See what's going on on their show later uh, in just probably about 20 minutes. They'll be starting up their show. Stick with us, friends. This is the Matt Townsend Show right here on BYU Radio. Welcome back, everybody, to the Matt Townsend Show. One of my favorite times. They, they always joke about it, but this is really one of my favorite times. And my tweet says why. We're now going to toss down to Sports Nation. Spencer Linton is there. Jerem Jordan is there. Did you guys see my tweet? I have, uh, We just did yeah, see we your tweet. That's I just right. tweeted it. Okay, it's an epic clash of charismatic radio show hosts. Well, you have to read it in like that broadcaster voice. When you, That's right. An epic class. I'm a charismatic show host. I would prefer to read it like a movie trailer. Coming up next, <laughs> Dr. Macho meets BYU Sports Nation. The Convergence. Yeah. Hey, That's we're, crazy. We're three for three, Matt, in terms of like BYU big news since yeah. we've been doing this. I know. Is this what always happens? Apparently, since you've gone to the morning show and uh, we yeah. do this. This is what we do every day. Big we have news, huge man. announcements. I, you By know the what? way, I'm Jerem. You're Matt. Nice Jerem, good to meet you, We've my never friend. actually spoken, I think. I know, but it's it's an honor to meet you. I've, uh, I listen to everything you do. That's not true, but I appreciate that comment. <laughs> Come on, play, play along, Jerem. Play along. Of course you do. When listen are we on? Has this started BYU Sports Nation. <laughs> what, yeah, is this working? Hey, uh, question. We have yeah. a question for you. How many licks... Does it take to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll Pop? Ooh. We've been testing it on the show today. Uh, I, I need a number from each of you. There's a scientific. There is. I'm not Googling this right now No, at j- all. J- Don't Google. <laughs> I need a number. Oh, man. I'll I'll give you... I've heard this number before. I Kay. can't remember. Yeah. Um, I'll go. I'll go. 8,742. Uh, 
8,000? Way, way over. Way over. Way over. Oh. I'm going to say like 400. Uh, 1,000. 1,000. It's not 1, exactly 1,000. No, it is. In every human being, it's 1,000. <laughs> no, they tested it. Oh, unless, unless you let it sit and soak. So if you're going to soak it in your mouth, it's, mm. it's, it's fewer than that. I'm more of a Zot guy myself. But Are yeah. you? Mm-hmm. Hey, you guys, <laughs> can I just say something? I know I'm frustrated, but I'm okay. not. The, okay. t- t- first of all, make, tell us the big announcement. BYU basketball, after a very long wait, announced a new practice facility and major upgrades to the Marriott yes. Center. Yes! Next level basketball. I mean, we have been hoping for this for a very okay. so this long is, okay. time. Yeah. Also, the yeah. lower bowl will be all blue padded seats. This mm. is by August. More yes. leg room. And That's great. new video boards. A lot bigger and better. So the Marriott Center experience is going to be awesome. The players are going to have a practice facility. Right now, sometimes they have to go to the Richards Building on campus, and some student uh, says, do you have a wristband? And it's like, I'm Tyler Hawes. I'm going to be the all-time leading scorer. Like, what the heck? Can you leave me alone? Yeah. I think it's great. I, at first, no, this was the selfish man thinking, oh, great. I'm going to have parking problems or something. But I'm not. It's no. all good. Oh, all good. They have taken care of all of that. The street no one uses, yeah. it won't be there anymore. That's right. It's just now it's just, uh, it, it'll just be probably have flowers and trees. Yeah, we will have yes, Basketball we will courts. have luscious trees and bushes <laughs> to consume now. Did you, awesome. did you just use the word luscious? Yeah. It's my goal once a day to use the word luscious. By the way, that is the first time luscious has ever been on my radio show. Congratulations, Jerem. You've just done I'm a really first, excited to be on the, on the show. We're going to so, bring you a Tootsie Wonderful. Pop and um, a luscious uh, cherry Tootsie, Tootsie Roll Pop. My love language is not um, <laughs> gifts, but I'll take it. You know what? I I can hardly wait to find out what your love languages are. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna do a show when we do love languages, and we're gonna because I, I can coach you guys to have a better relationship too. I would love that. that. I would love that. You're gonna love it, guys. We love being uh, with you for this little bit, but I know you got to go prepare. We always tease Spencer; he's got to get his hair, his makeup done. We get it. Hey, it's we important, taped an man. interview earlier, so we're actually good. We're ready to rock. You're all ready. You're all primped and ready. Yeah. Well, guys, have a great show. Thank you. Take Thanks, care. Man. Be good. I love them. This is uh, this is a big deal. By the way, it also means that they can schmooze athletes and bring them into town, show them some nice. You know, they're going to have a a place where you can ha- they can have all their trophies. Mm. Aren't you the one that schmoozes? People? Oh yeah. So when people come to BYU Broadcasting, which again people don't, you may not know this, but BYU Broadcasting as a building is is really one of the best media broadcasting buildings in the country. Technology wise, mm-hmm. we are stacked. Yep. So uh, that's why it's so powerful. Um, it's anyway. It's it's really good stuff. We have a caller on the line. Uh, line five. We have. I think it's Lane. Is yeah. he? A, is he there? Lane, are you there? I'm here. What you got, brother? Well, my name is Lane Giles. No relation to Kim Giles that I'm aware of. Oh but, darn it! Uh, I, <laughs> exactly. I could learn a few things from her. Yeah. What, what's uh, your hey. What's your comment? Well, you know, I, I'm making a, a cross-country trip from, from uh, Georgia to Oregon. Oh, wow. And it's about a 40-hour drive. And, <laughs> you know, I've, I've done a few cross-country trips, and they seem like, you know, you know, just the weeks and the weeks long. But uh, I've been listening to BYU Radio. You liking it? And I, it, it has made my trip so short, I want to go back and start over again. Oh, boy, boy. Lane, don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Lane, we're on podcast. You can do this. You could just do this all day at home in the rocker. Oh, and I'm, yeah, exactly. But, 
yeah, work kind of gets in the way sometimes. But no, my, my comment was just, you know, thank you guys for the programming. The last, uh, you know, segment on, you know, Money Ripples was yeah. fantastic. I, I think the only reason I don't tell my kids sometimes, or I hesitate about, you know, telling my kids about how much I make is because I just want to know why they want to know, right? <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I want them to go to their neighbors and say, "Hey, Johnny makes one point two. My dad only makes you know one." It's, right? it's true though, huh? You, you don't yeah. want them out comparing. Exactly. I, I'm more worried yeah. about. I never tell my kids how much I'm worth dead. <laughs> you know, I don't want to. You know, you don't want to like lead them down that road. Right, it's dangerous. Your wife knows. Yeah. That's exactly right. Well, yeah. Lane, we appreciate the call, my friend, and keep listening. Again, you you don't have to just do this on cross country trips. You can. You can listen wherever you are. And again, you, if you can't make it during the show time, you can go to BYU Radio and look up our podcast or just iTunes, podcast, whatever. Appreciate you, man. Good stuff. So what did you learn on the show today, Matt? What a day. I learned a lot. We've had a lot on here. You know, that's the funny thing about the three-hour show is I, 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 I'm, it's so full of learning for me. But one of the great things, Craig Manning, uh, again— he just blows me away. You know, when you are the strength, the mental strength coach for BYU sports, there's a lot that we can learn. And I, and I learned basically we need to have a positive statement. We all have to have something mm-hmm. in our head that we can just throw out there when times get tough. I loved it when he was talking about the, that basketball player that he was working with who was shooting. You know, he's practicing and he's yeah. shooting a lot. And every time he missed, he would say something, uh, you know, bad about yeah. himself or something. Oh, I can't. Oh, I missed again. I can't yeah. do it. And, and, and he, he would tell him, yeah, go don't ahead. do that. Yeah, don't do that. He Because re- it just reinforces the next shot. So if yeah. you're already thinking, I can't do this, the next shot, you're already thinking, I can't do this. Have I ever told you the story of um, who was the Dallas Cowboy coach who also coached Miami? Oh, that was Jimmy Johnson. Jimmy Johnson. The so, Miami, Miami Hurricanes, yeah. not Miami Dolphins. So, that's right. That's right. It was the, it was the Hurricane. Yeah. Yeah, Miami Hurricanes, because he's one of the few coaches who has won a national championship and, and a, Super, and a Bowl. Super Bowl. So he's sitting there, and I guess when he was with the Hurricanes, the sports psychologist on the team, he would always yell to the running backs or to the, the people receiving the kicks, the returners, mm-hmm. hey, don't don't fumble the ball. Okay. Don't fumble the ball. But it's putting it in their head. All right. And so when, once the psychologist was on the sideline and heard that, he went up to Jimmy and said, you can't. You can't cannot put in someone's head what they shouldn't do. Right. But we do this as parents all the time. And the minute you put that in their head, that is going to self-fulfill because mm-hmm. that is what they're thinking. And he's like, what should I say? What should I say? And he's like, just tell them. What do you want them to do? I want them to hold on to the ball. Then he would just start yelling, hey, hold on to the ball. Yeah. Hey, defense, get me the ball. Get me the ball, defense. You don't have to come cause a fumble, no. but you get me that ball. Well, you could just have a three and out sort of situation right. and you, and you get right. the ball back. And Yeah, I mean, that's what's so powerful about our mind. I le- so that was a big thing with Craig. And then I learned a lot about net neutrality. That The hard thing about this show is, you know, we want to give you more information and news, and there's always new news coming out. There is. But we always want to give you the angle that matters. We want to give you what so what. There's a big discussion going on in D.C. about net neutrality. What does that mean to you? We talked about it. It's a big deal. Watch out, folks, because a lot of decisions are being made right now about your Internet. And it could affect it, it could affect your pocketbook, actually. Oh, yeah. Because if, if, you know, if, the, if the net is not kept you know, neutral, which is where the net neutrality comes from, yeah. then uh, you know, companies could start charging other companies for things, and that's going to just raise prices. Yeah. And, and, you know— and right now, if you look at it like with the gasoline 
like gasoline has gone down in price, right? Yeah, absolutely. Have you noticed at the store that other things have dropped in price? Yeah. I, I noticed that milk, a gallon of milk, went down to two bucks at the place where I buy it. Oh, really? Yes. Wow. Two dollars. Now it's time to buy instead milk. of instead of like three fifty. See, sadly, gas is going up in Utah. It now. is. So it is. I guess the again, it's I guess it's the transportation cost of moving these mm-hmm. things. Anyway, um, a lot of great learning. Uh, we always like in the show to kind of wrap it up with a hero of the day. Yep. And uh, my hero of the day is a. He's a 99-and-a-half-year-old friend of mine hmm. who – cutest man. I've talked about him before on the show. His name's Ralph Smith. He's one of the oldest living citizens in my little town of Draper, Utah. Great man, and he's, he's just tired. His wife died a year or two, two ago, and uh, I've known him for, I don't know, eight years, nine years, ten years. And I get to visit him regularly. My family gets to be taught by him every year, every month. I mean, my family, we go to his house, we sit around his bed, and he just teaches my family. But uh, we don't know how long Ralph's going to be around. So I just want to say to Ralph, you're my hero, my friend. He's not listening. He can't hear very well. So the idea of, um, you know, trying to stick it. Uh, out on our radio show and listen to us for three hours is beyond him. But there's power, my friends. When you're a 99-year-old, you're all going – you're going to be sitting there one day. Some of you are like, please don't let me live to 99. But you might. And whether you live to 99 or not, you're eventually going to be looking into the eyes of the people you love, the people you care for, and you're going to have to kind of know where you are. So one of the reasons we do the show is so you have the tools – Really, and just some forethought. I want you just thinking, how do you want to be as a 99-year-old Ralph? This man is a guy that I can look right in the eyes, tell him I love him. He tells me he loves me. We're not related, but he's my adopted grandpa, basically. And um, he's teaching my kids stuff that they can't learn anywhere else. So please, uh, he is the hero of the day, Ralph Smith. And we just say... God bless. It's one of those situations where we really are even – we're praying for him to die. He wants to go. He wants to go. He, he's tired. So we love you, Ralph. And again, you are my hero. Here's a quote on the way out. Without craftsmanship, inspiration is a mere reed shaken in the wind. Without doing something, skills, tools, learning the crafts of life, inspiration is just a mere reed that's being blown around in the wind. That's Johannes Brahms. Johannes Brahms. Johannes Brahms. Wow. That's a great quote. That's the goal of the show. Take your inspiration and craft it into something that's relevant and changes the world. That's the good in the world, folks. You decide. This is BYU Radio. We're trying to help you find the good in the world. But again, you're the one that has to deliver it. Thanks for joining us. We're out of here. Until tomorrow, stay cool. This is the Matt Townsend Show. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.